Welcome back to a very special edition of the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As we branch off on a side quest of sorts and drag George kicking and screaming through the entire Friday the 13th series. But wait. There's more. Not only are we going to make him watch every Friday the 13th, I don't know if he knows this yet, this might be news to George, we're also going to drag him along and show him some of the influences that brought Jason into the heart's and wallets of so much of the American public in the 80s. How you doing, George? Well, well, Dan, I'm doing quite well. Excellent. And Travis, are you ready to educate him? I'm here. I'm ready. All right. So, J- uh, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time with Mr. J today. So, George. <laughs> in fact, you're on a first name basis. Yes. Ooh. So, George, you've yeah. seen Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. You didn't get enough Jason in the original Friday the 13th. I could just tell from no. your voice that you just need a little bit more J in your face. I agree. <laughs> J in your day. So, yep, we've brought you a unique opportunity. Unlike our normal format, you've already seen Friday the 13th Part 2. You watched it today. That's correct. So we're going to talk about it. But then we're going to do a little extra credit Live for the audience as we take you through two of the major influences on Friday the 13th, part two, and we show you where Jason came from. And I don't mean the bottom of the lake. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. I'm excited for this too, because this is a new avenue for me as well. Hooray! I am very excited to talk about my favorite masked slasher. So a lot of the stuff I want to cover today, George, we're going to have to cover after we've seen the extras. So I want to start with you. As the subject of the re-education of George, mm-hmm. tell me what you're thinking after watching uh, your first horror sequel. And your first Jason movie. And your first real Jason movie. Again, it wasn't what I expected. Yay. It was, uh, number one, there was no hockey mask at all. Right. Right. Wait, what? So that was... <laughs> so I'm like... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what? Okay, like, th- wow, they're really, like, taking a while to get to this, you know? When you actually see him, I'm like, he, he did, oh, okay, he's not there yet. And it even made me think, you know, is this even actually Jason? Right, because they start doing the same screenshots right. as they do with, with the mother, where right. it's just like little cropped, you know, hands and chests and all that stuff. So you're like, I'm not really sure what he looks well, like. Well, you could tell it was not a female. Right. Um, There was... Was the there hands. a dick yeah, in the hands. <laughs> you, you, saw his, little... you saw his hand with his like thumb that looked like it just got slammed in a car door. Yeah. That didn't look like a female hand to me. I could be wrong, but it didn't it didn't his look dick female was wearing to a me. Potato sack. But anyway, it doesn't mean <laughs> Can't be too hey, careful. Hey oh. Hey oh but yeah, I was I, I don't know. Uh, I'm like, it, it could be anyone under that bag. You know, I saw a dead body where the dick was wearing a potato <laughs> sack. Jeez <laughs> oh, Louise. Did you notice right off the bat that Alice, the survivor girl from part one, now lives mm-hmm. in the Myers house for some reason? Did you catch I didn't that? that? The no. house she lives in has that same exact, you know, okay. two story, symmetrical kind of, I don't know, is that a, Almost a colonial, but it's like white. A Cape Cod, yeah. Thin walls. It's the same. The thin, thin walls. <laughs> Those thin ass Pasadena Those walls. Pasadena walls. Now, this is in uh, Connecticut or New Jersey, so I, I imagine they've got some pretty 
pretty sizable thick insulation walls. in there. You guys know what I'm all about. Yeah, so. we got thick walls in Jersey. I actually did notice that. I did. I s- no, no, not the walls. <laughs> what, that it was the a Myers house? Yeah, it looked like a Myers okay. house. Yeah, I noticed that. I thought it. I thought it. This one, uh, part two, I love part two. Uh, it may be the shortest of all the Jason movies because after the flashback mm. stuff, it's only like 65 minutes of actual new footage. Right. But mm. it is so taut. And a very and strong heroine. Too. Excellent like heroine wielding a chainsaw at one yeah. point, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, but you know, it just it moves at such a clip. There's not a second to breathe, right? They just, I mean, this is your filet mignon, right? You've mm-hmm. cut off everything you don't need, and it's just gore and violence and boobs. It's and the, the guy movie. doesn't die either. I mean, or does he? Or does he? Or does he? But I mean, it's like it's not. It's so trope that. There's always a single female at the end, and everybody dies. But at least here, you never really know if Jason kills Ted. It doesn't matter Ted. what his name is. Yeah, I think it's Ted. At this point. Paul. I've got a note here that actually says, where's Paul? A Paul, right. We don't know okay. where Paul is. I don't know any of the characters' names. Well, yeah, you got rid of the uh, <laughs> the cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah. Not no. I usually I usually keep the uh, credits up on the TV screen while we're doing this, so I can look and see what the characters' names were, because I always forget them. Um, but this time you made me go to YouTube, so they're gone. But anyway, no, all the campers or not campers, all the counselors' names and a shit ton of counselors. They don't that, matter. Right? They don't matter. They're just the victims of this movie. Mm-hmm. Victim one. Victim and they're going to be victims of the. You know, there's going to be counselors of victims of the next movie, and then the next one, and the next one. I'm talking out my ass. I don't know what the. Next You've actually got a, a good attitude about this. Some folks would say, "Oh, these characters are suddenly all one dimensional, and each one only has one motivation and one outfit and one haircut, and that's the only way I can tell them apart." But that's the fun of the slasher movie yeah. as it develops. Well, like you can detach yourself from the character development and just strap in for 90 minutes of hysteria. It's kind of like watching like early 2000s reality television. Like it's a it's a check the box of the kind of person that's in this house. Yeah. Like you have the the slut and the nerd and the funny guy and the jock and the like and you're trying to figure out okay, which one's going to be the Jamie Lee Curtis character that's going to be the main person and then you find out right away who they are and then they develop them way more than everybody else. But there's just so many character check off you know, the box is checked off on these movies. You know who's going to die. You're just like, all right, this one's going to be first. Yeah. We finally reached that part in the development of these movies that tropes are kind of the dominant thing now. We're not developing mm. tropes. We are experiencing the tropes, which we've already we're developed. Just, we're just troping tropes. <laughs> now, you mentioned you didn't know any of the characters' name, but I bet you knew Alice. She's the one dressed like Corduroy the Bear. I don't know why she's dressed like Corduroy the Bear. No, I... I don't get that. Who's Corduroy the Bear? And- what kind of father are you that you don't read your child the Corduroy book with the, the little girl that finds that damaged toy at the toy store and then she takes it home and fixes it and it's her favorite toy? No. Is that yeah, like a I metaphor put, I have on to put that on my, my Amazon wish list. I mean, I wonder, you know, that Corduroy's missing a, a button missing on his overalls eye. and yeah. Jason's only got one eye. I mean, that we might be on to something, George. Maybe that's like a next box thing. And he's wearing a... Overalls as well. I mean, there you now, go. Now, is he through the one off the shoulder, or does he have them both buckled? What are you talking By about? By the end, I think he's got Jason. one off the shoulder. Hey. hey no. <laughs> That's right, he does. So you were talking one. about how we know who's going to die, 
right? And it's pretty easy in this movie because these chicks are thirsty and these dudes are willing. But, George, when you find out that Jenny is our survivor girl, but she hooks up with Paul, like, at the very beginning of the movie, do you have a problem with the fact that your heroine had a little hanky-panky at the camp and survived? Yeah, it kind of takes away from your uh, theory that the person that survives is usually the one that doesn't take their clothes off. Is this movie progressive? Have we reached a point <sighs> where female sexuality can be embraced by a movie and not turn it into a death curse? Hmm. No. It's 1980, of course not. It's too early <laughs> for that. So here's a joke that goes over everybody's heads the first hundred times they watch this movie. Uh, did you catch what Paul had written on the mirror the morning after they hooked up? Yes. What did he it write? It was beware of the bears. And remember, right like before that. poor crazy Ralph gets killed out front, Jenny slows things down for a second and she says, Paul, there's something I need to tell you. Mm. Cut to, uh, well, I guess, uh, remember back to five minutes earlier when Paul is telling all the counselors about the rules of the woods, you see. Watch one the demonstration. Of the, we, exactly. <laughs> you may be joking, but you're actually right, Travis. Yeah. Watch your menstrual sanitation, ladies. Mm -hmm. So Jenny's on, on her period. So she doesn't get to have the sexy sex, and she gets to survive the movie. Thanks, misogynistic 80s movies. <laughs> <laughs> she on the rag she lives it's kind of gross by today's standards yeah. but I mean I don't know I guess it's just a good joke this movie is not against kind of clubbing you over the head with a silly joke now and then uh, mm -mm. the muffin transition when muffin the dog meets Jason and then yeah. cut straight to the hot dog on the grill I mean <laughs> guys Oscar <laughs> Meyer yeah that's a, that's a hot dog joke they they set up a like they put a lot of time in setting you up to think that dog was dead. That that dog was that dog was dead, Travis. Huh? That's a dead ass dog. <laughs> no, I'm saying the the dog at the very end isn't that the dog? Isn't that Muffin? Did that really happen, Travis? I don't know. I think the mm, ending happened. I don't know. There's a there's two two uh, camps two schools of thought in the Friday world. And okay. that's either the ending is the reality and the ending is obviously a dream because Muffin's already been eviscerated. So okay. the linchpin, the thing we need that we don't have, we need to know how many Shih Tzus per square acre live <laughs> in Connecticut. Right. Because that one Shih Tzu was dead. But you and I both know Shih Tzus all look the same. Yes. And that is mm. like cats. Not like dogs. They are cats. They are good dancers, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you remember that part where the guy danced with the... <sighs> yes. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, of course. Guy's yes. such a creep. Yeah, and Ugh. the dog senses Jason out the window, and, and the guy thinks he's getting turned down by a dog. Yeah, it's great. Creepo. It's fantastic. That guy shows up in so many slasher movies, and in real life, he seems like a real nice dude, but he plays a creep, like, mm. uh, very believably. It's like Kiefer Sutherland. He's the, he's the guy that ended up getting hung upside down, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, what a creep. Hey, so while we're looking at the debut of Jason Voorhees, sometimes 1-0, usually 2, let's run down the quick, the Michael Myers checklist for designing a slasher villain. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we got work clothes, check. We got regular sized dude, not a hulking Undertaker type figure, check. He mm-hmm. kills and eats a dog. I mean, mm-hmm. check. Check. And he's all about like climbing on a car and reaching in. That whole fight with Jenny is straight out of the first scene of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really not reaching too far outside mm-hmm. the Halloween playbook to design the guy. And he's ashamed of what he looks like, so he wears a mask. Is that why Michael wears the mask? Or does he just like, know. you know, little anonymity in his stabby stabs? He might have. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he's got a little bit of the old uh, identity crisis. I don't Maybe know. we should ask Rob Zombie. We should, oh, poof. oh, my God. Let's not. <laughs> let's leave Rob right where he's at. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys like the, uh, It's for our listeners, uh, for our regular listeners, you know we love a map and a little bit of geography. Can we mm, talk geog- about the geography of this Crystal Lake where it's essentially everything connects via a crossroads at a puddle? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's actually really good, cheap filmmaking. If you just remember every shot to bring it back, oh, we're at the puddle. Now we know where we're at. Right. You can connect yeah. whatever you want so, to that puddle. Something they did not do in Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, that the Halloween neighborhood had a puddle. <laughs> oh, man. For, if for reference, only. A reference puddle. I started drawing out a map for that, and I, I it's going to make you more angry, George. So A map for what? <laughs> for Halloween. Oh. Why it took him four hours to get to the fucking house. <laughs> anyway. Travis is <laughs> detective work over So here. angry about it. Anyway. This movie, so many kills. I, the kill per minute count is really high compared to anything we've seen yet on the show. Mm. The gore, do you notice anything about the gore that's a little different this time, George? Maybe compared to the first one? I Nothing jumped out at me. Well... Did I mean, you notice how they did Jason. a bunch of fades to white? Um, Do you no, notice that kind of stuff? Didn't yeah, really you really notice that. Well, one thing that you'll notice uh, upon later viewings, uh, especially after you've seen some of the later ones of the uh, of the series, a lot of the gore was trimmed heavily by the MPAA. This is the first time we've really talked about those guys, but okay. after the success of Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the 13th Part 1 essentially had one major cut to get an R rating. Uh, The MPAA was very generous with what it Mm. allowed. And the backlash that that organization got after the fact because of how much violence is in that movie and what it inspired in other copycats kind of led to a a pendulum swing with this one. A lot of cuts. Mm. Okay. A lot of stuff left on the editing floor. Unfortunately... Being that this was a negative pickup, like the first one, what that means, George, is that essentially they made it with private money, and then didn't have a studio deal, even though the first one did so well, and then they, so they brought it back it to Paramount, and were like, "Hey, we made money on the first one. Will you distribute this movie for us?" So, uh, what that means for them, though, they have a lot of freedom, but they also maybe can act in a less professional manner than a mainstream film. Mm-hmm. So. As far as everybody knows, there is no surviving 35 millimeter footage of the lost kills and all the trim stuff. Mm. That's a shame. But sad. 
big news on the Friday the 13th front, and by the time everybody hears this, it'll be old news. Uh, there's a box set coming out October of 2020, which has a digitized version of VHS copies of the extended kills for the first time in 40 years. Wow. Wow. It's going to be amazing. Someone yeah. in the community had a VHS oh, okay. copy of the excise footage in their archive. And they've gotcha. managed to digitize it and add it as an extra on the new disc. So so the kind that when I used to go to conventions, the guys would have like tables with VHSs of like lost footage and stuff. Yes. So those guys. Okay. But Got this it. was a it's... guy within the industry, and this is the only known copy of that tape. Okay. So we finally, they managed to like reverse engineer and like bake the actual tape so that it would work again. Some crazy technical stuff to get it out there, but it'll be on the, the new disc along with a 4K scan, but a non-UHD disc. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we need two sound effects for that. Yeah. The 4K is like, hey. and then the other thing is like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, because we're all like not 4K. Yeah. I don't even have 2K Aww. over here. Needless to say, I will <laughs> be buying those movies again on UHD within probably two years. So take my money. It's fine. But I'm excited mm -hmm. to see a, a better master of the first four movies because I've been watching the same master for 10 years. So, woo. Okay. Let's do it. Plus, you know, when you go back to the, the MPAA, you had the big battle because Savini is sitting there like Nicotero uh, does with The Walking Dead where he's like, okay, how do I gross people out now? What am I going to do now that's going to just be completely disgusting? And then you have the MPAA. He's like, uh, yeah, don't do any of that. So, so it's like he's putting machetes in the faces of handicapped people and <laughs> and they're rolling backwards unassisted down the flight of steps. And it's like, yeah, that's totally inappropriate. And he's like, I don't care. The next scene is going to be this. And he just kept doing it and doing it. It's a yeah. shame that they cut it. That uh, that uh, that untethered wheelchair down a hill is one of the oh. most harrowing shots in any movie. Like it's, it's so sad. You can't look away. It's so scary. That was one of the kills in a Jason movie where you have no idea it's coming. Like, it's just... I mean, George, even... tell us about watching that scene. Tell us about the kills. Tell us your, your favorites, what they did to you. Did that one get you? Did the jump scare make you stiffen up in your seat a little bit? The guy in the wheelchair? Yeah, mm. man. Not really. No, I kind of knew that was coming. Um, well, I mean, they build it up with tension, but you didn't think he was going to take a hat, like a, a machete to the face, like no, and then roll backwards <laughs> and down roll the hill. Backwards no, down the hill. I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't think that. I mean, it was shocking when I saw it, yeah. but I didn't scare. It didn't jump scare me. It ranks up there with a the sleeping bag that you'll see later. Okay. <laughs> Did you get um, any jump scares out of this one, or was it all pretty yeah, much like? Oh. Yeah. So what yeah, worked? Yeah. What worked? Um, in the very beginning, um, when the survivor from the first movie, um, is going towards the window really slowly and you know it's open and it's eerie and it's building suspense and the cat jumps through the, fucking cat. the cat um, man the cat got the old hitchcock trick gotcha yeah um I, I you know something's coming but you're like what and i was like and then it's a cat and then i was like okay it was a cat poor alice no longer in wonderland now in ice pick land yeah. Hand. So the cat comes comes in, and I'm like, 
oh, okay, that's the, that's the jump scare. Now something's going to happen because mm. I've been lulled into like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm like, and that's when he gets you. And that kill was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, Just wait till you see it uncut. Woo. And very, very unexplained. Like they, they, they never really touch on how matter. Jason found her, how he, yeah, but I mean, and yeah. technically it's important to know because most of his kills happen in Crystal Lake, so it's like they never really explain how he tracked her down to her apartment, wherever she is. Like it's just it just happens, and then they move on. Yeah. But most of the kills that he does happens in the camp because he's mm-hmm. kind of the haunting entity of the camp, and you're pretty much safe. Well, until later, but you're pretty much safe at Crystal uh, if you're not at Crystal Lake. So it just never explained how he found her. That's all. It's a really interesting thing because it does, it completely violates the rule that they use for a lot of the movies, which is, you know, the locals know he's there, but they don't mm-hmm. mess with him and he doesn't mess with them. Right. It's like King Kong. You know, he's behind the wall. As long as we feed him a blonde every once in a while, he's not going to break through that wall. But the nice thing is, I guess you could attribute it to revenge, right? Like this was his mm. personal just vendetta, right? And then back to the old don't mess with the locals and they won't mess with me right. kind of thing. Eh, I'll take it. So I liked that kill a lot. Did you like the head in the fridge? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm. Mean, I i do not know. I could have done without the head in the fridge. I. It, it. That didn't matter to me. What mattered to me was that she got the ice pick in the temple, mm. which was what her plan was for him. Well, what I can tell you is, the head in the fridge is a visual reference to. Stick with me here, guys. A giallo. Uh, <laughs> But this one is called Giallo a Venezia, a Giallo in Venice. And let's just say you're not ready for that movie yet, George. Okay. But when you are ready, oh, oh goodness, mm. that's it's gonna it's gonna be head in a fridge time. That's mm-hmm. on. That's like a Mount Rushmore effed up movie. It's oh, whoo, okay. How they do it in Italy sounds good. Dude, the Italians rejected that when it was too effed mm. up. We got to figure out some kind of Jallo T-shirt for you. <laughs> Just yellow this, T-shirt, this, like a this blank movie yellow was T-shirt. better when it was Jallo. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm wearing a Jallo T-shirt right now. What's up? <laughs> it's just a yellow shirt with a yeah, motorcycle your, helmet. Your on. movie's cute. It was better as a Jallo. <laughs> oh man, I watched a little bit of uh, Death Carries a Cane the other day, and the guy with the black trench coat and the fedora shows up and all I could think about was George being like I don't know it's not the best <laughs> not branded not, not branded, branded enough that was Travis I think was no, yeah, I, was, I was the branded guy <laughs> which actually I mean that's that was a hell of a point but yeah also like nothing wrong with a little generic killer now and then no not at all it's funny I was in a Halloween store and I saw one of those um white uh, I guess Phantom of the Opera type masks you know the blank face kind of um, blue man blue man group kind of mess, and I'm like, this is what Michael Myers would have looked like in a Jalo, <laughs> just that that little plastic white emotionless face, like a mime. It's like a like you're talking about like a little mask to like to go to like a mask ball yeah, or like something, a masquerade mask, like yeah. the, what the mimes wear. It I'm just looking at him like this would have been their version of Michael Myers. He would have had this mask on. So we you should got do me a, that we should now. do a uh, a Jalo version of a Halloween. slasher. No, check it out. A slasher <laughs> that takes place in 2020, and you can't tell who the the slasher is because 
everyone's wearing a mask. Ooh. Mm. Heyo. But you can so. tell because nobody can leave their house. Yeah, right, because it's all COVID. Stupid COVID. We can call it 2020. All right, well, maybe that's not such a good idea. Yeah. The other kill that I kind of laughed at a little bit, which was what I think was supposed to be the Kevin Bacon kill of this movie, mm. was the crazy old man. Oh. oh the, yeah, the bar. Yeah, how, how fucking tall is Jason? <laughs> <laughs> he, throw, he throws that wire over crazy, what's his name? Crazy, crazy Ralph. Ralph over his neck and pulls up. And Ralph is standing, so Jason's like ten foot three in that that scene. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not it's the last stuff. time we're gonna see Jason reach over a tree, so right. just kind of get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> but when what made me laugh was like, it it was his face while he was getting mm. killed, and also the fact that. Like, he was even there. Yeah, what's he doing there? Right? Well, I think what they were doing was the first movie, they kind of set him up to possibly be the killer. And then here they're saying, no, it's Jason. Like, let's let's get rid of all the, all the others, and we're just going to concentrate on Jason, so we're just going to cut out Ralph. He's, he's like, that why they he's did tying that? up the loose ends know. so that you yeah, know for sure it's his ends. crown. He's not competing for anybody else. Yeah. We'll take it. I don't know. But what I was thinking was, if if only someone would have told him, you know, what grave danger he was in, maybe. Oh, if only there were a slightly <laughs> like, crazier <I'm>, Ralph. <laughs> His yeah. brother, Crazy that's Bob. Why I, that's why I laughed. I was like, if only someone would have warned him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's great. But anyway. You're still doomed. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious if they had an older, crazier person saying to him, you're doomed, and then he and then he bites it. It's for the fan movie. I sent you guys a link to the killer from Blood and Black Lace. I think you and Travis just described this character. Is why I'm sending it to you. <laughs> oh, blank white face. <laughs> is that Warshak? <laughs> it looks like the from Watchmen. Yeah, it's about uh, yeah. twenty years before Rorschach. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Blood and Black Lace is a fantastic movie i mean it's not just a good giallo it is you know my wife liked it the first time she watched it i didn't have to like make her watch it five times and see all the cool little details no it's just a watchful flick okay pretty scary it's on prime he looks like a like a dick tracy villain i like it yeah dig it would you guys believe that there's an umberto Lindsay reference in this movie absolutely so there has to be the skinny dipper that throws her towel onto the camera (laughs) yep that straight out of orgasmo one of the early Lindsay's. Okay. Yeah, or everyone's seen that. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a good one. It's called I'm Orgasmo. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> it's uh, Carol Baker's first foray into the Italian market. If you guys have seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, have you watched that yet, George? Not yet. I want to, though. It's recent, yeah. It is an excellent companion piece to Orgasmo. They both take place... Well, but Orgasmo was actually made in 1969, and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes place Mm. in 1969, and one of the plot threads in Once Upon a Time is that he's considering going to Italy to rejuvenate his career, and Carol Baker, American actress, went to Italy and rejuvenated her career in 1969. 
So hmm. Tarantino's one of us. He's a he he mm. he knows his Italian stuff. Yes. He just puts it a little bit more on Front Street when he's borrowing. <laughs> you mean he's one of you because I've I've never seen any of these movies. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excluding you two. I'm just saying, yeah, definitely like my folks. <laughs> one of you. Hey, did you notice the Jamie Lee Curtis quality scream though from the Skinny Dipper? Oh yeah, she auditioned yeah. that stuff, man. They knew. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason she was cast. Are we talking about the half shirt chick? Yeah, yeah. that scream. Damn. Only only thing that got her into this movie was that scream. Yeah, it was and an that, excellent and that body. scream. Just a, <laughs> they they were like, hey, we're not, it was like the yeah. voice. They were just like, hey, we're just yeah. gonna. Can you do can the you scream? scream? And what do you look like? And she, can you throw a towel at the camera? <laughs> That's all we ask. Can you throw no a towel? other qualifications, just the scream and the towel throw. George the Telecaster. So what? you would say she was a, like a four chair turn then? I, I've never actually watched The Voice. Is that what they do? Oh, yeah. Yes. Who's got time for TV? I got Jolly to watch. <laughs> <laughs> they referenced Jolly last week on there. Oh, yeah, damn it. I'm going to have to catch up. <laughs> The uh, feathers of the golden cage, or something like that. No, wait, hold on. Wait, it's, was it uh, a pheasant? No, golden stop. pheasant? Hold on. No, no. <laughs> I know this movie. Shit, what is it called? The Crimson Gold. It's something about lace. Yeah. Right? Lace of the pigeon feathers. It's, um, fuck. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows we have no idea. He knows what we're referencing, but we're just going to keep no, butchering it. No, it's about a it. bird. I'm still yeah. trying to figure it's out a, if you're making fun of me or not. No, we're no, not. We're no. making fun of ourselves. I'm literally really trying to, yeah, to you're, remember you're thinking the, of the bird the with the crystal this... plumage. Yes, that's crystal the one. Crystal plumage. Yes. That is the, the, the bird. It's golden the golden pheasant. Yeah, it's the Halloween of Jalo, kind of. It's the pre-bird, yes. post-bird. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. epochal, or however you say that word. Epical? Epochal? Epochal. It's epical. Epochal? It's epochal. How do you think that cop from Friday Part 2 would say it? Because how do you say reprimand? You're not even going to rep reprimand? It, it's like he'd never heard the word before. You're not even going to reprimand him? Right. He just I read it, it in the his script. Re his like... read was so strong, and now I can't remember exactly what he did because it was so wrong from how you say the That's word funny. reprimand. I love the sarcasm, though, mm. in that scene. Oh, hey, uh, Jenny. Yeah, make Can sure you, uh, you know they don't get seconds on dessert tonight. So good. It's <laughs> That's like, up there with like Willy Wonka, where he's like, "Oh, please don't." Stop. Exactly. Yeah. George, 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 I need to hear about your Telecaster appreciation from right after oh, the. That was the, beautiful. I mean, that's a it that's a pretty telly. Now I don't own a Telecaster. What? I should, dude. That was a beautiful guitar. <clears throat> mm. It was kind of upsetting though. Um. You know, because I was like, okay, well, he's obviously not the one playing the lead, you know, because, like, his hands aren't doing that sound. So, what's he? Okay, that's fine. Where's the other guy? Where's the guy playing the lead? Oh, he was supposed to be playing the lead. Okay, well. I have a was, feeling was he was acting. playing something pretty awesome. His technique looked good. You know, he was hitting. Uh, you know, his rhythm was on with the rest of the band. I, I just have a feeling they couldn't clear yeah. whatever they were playing or the he recording looked... quality was poor and they wanted to jazz it mm -hmm. up a bit. He looked like he was playing some kind of like some kind of funky, you know, rhythmic thing or I don't know, maybe like a like a crossroads type of riff, something like that. Kind of a, a country funk. It didn't look like what it sounded like. Is that a funk tree? Yeah. Yeah. 
but the guitar was beautiful. Oh man, I have and one the shot. The shot was beautiful too of the bridge of the telecast. You just like you can see the screws you around the bridge. You can tell that the cinematographer like, mm. respects the guitar. Like of all yeah, the movies really we've good. watched so far, that guy knew how to shoot a guitar. You know, yeah, it's not an easy skill, as YouTube has showed us. It was like shiny. You know, like it had sl- like it had sweat on it, and it, it, did, had, like, it looked like the guitar itself was a little sweaty. Like it yeah. did a couple of curls before the take, so it looked a mm-hmm. little shiny. Yep. You know? Yep. It's just like guitar porn. That shot <laughs> is. I mean, that's. <laughs> this is what this is my Facebook yeah, feed, he's basically. It's like, like, did you see the sweat on the guitar? <laughs> is, the, is the guitars that look so like this? Fucking hot. <laughs> oh yeah, I do me, I do me so fucking hard. <laughs> 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 it rubs the lotion on a guitar. It does this whenever it's told her it gets the hose again. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm good. Oh my god. Back. Yeah. Uh, Holy. So they so cut hard. from uh, the first part of the skinny b- dipping scene back to packing. Yeah, let's talk about Lodge. the naked chick and not the guitars that are naked. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's 2020. Actually. The guitar hotter than the girl. When you get to a certain age, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm always gonna take the girl over the guitar. You know. Sorry. Uh, anyways, anyways. join us uh, next season for the uh, remedial <laughs> guitar class with Travis. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. music class. <laughs> what so, is this? A strat? It's just gonna be Dan talking about Warren's Z yeah. on for three hours. Don't it make you want to rock and roll? All night it's long. Like, this is uh, a Bob Dylan song. <laughs> yeah, and Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Yeah, Bob Dylan did it better, but whatever. We can <laughs> we can credit the guy that ripped him off in the seventies, but he was doing it better in the sixties. What's up? Word. Hey, so uh, the skinny. Where the hell scene, were we? All right, the yeah. skinny we're talking about happening. skinny the scene, Yeah, uh, she gets in the water, and it's it's like the most leering shot in the movie, and it's not from. Jason, as far as I can tell, it's just like the camera's just like leering at this woman. And then one of those hilarious Steve Miner cuts, the director, directly to the judgiest looking taxidermy buck I've ever seen. Did you catch that? <laughs> it's like she gets in the water and you're, you know, the camera, not you, but well, I mean, probably Travis, but the, the camera's staring at this, this woman who's skinny dipping and she thinks she's alone. Cut to the buck just being like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> oh, hello! <laughs> I didn't he's notice like, that. He's like Sven from Frozen. Hey, oh, fucking deer! <laughs> but you know, you get a, a little callback to Psycho. You get your taxidermy. Yes, yes. but also you get a judgy buck. Which I now mean, was she being watched oh, by one of the other counselors? She maybe? ends up watched by the creepy guy, the the dog yeah. dancer guy. But I'm not sure if the camera is is it hurt my dog. Oh, Another geez. throwback to Psycho was Alice, right, in the shower. Yes, that's true. She did have a little callback to Alien too, because of the whole cat thing. Uh, there was a lot of cat uh, s- suspense. Like that's in the seventies. Cat suspense. Yeah, like they would use animals to kind of draw you in, and then, like you said, the jump scare happens, and then the real scare happens. Mm-hmm. So it was like in Alien, they did that with Jonesy. Uh, with uh, you know Sigourney Weaver's Spoil- cat. Spoiler alert. Well, not really. You saw it. Yeah, years ago. Yeah. Okay. 
We won't be covering Alien unless you want to. That but is an yeah, old. I'll probably watch in my spare time. That is a it's classic uh, Hitchcock trick. In yeah, the, the cat, bait and switch. The cat is his, you know, his method as well. In this movie, though, I have a feeling in the uh, in the second half of this episode, we'll we'll talk pretty at length about where that cat comes from. Uh, stupid okay. cat. I do have a question for you, George Travis. What is Mark training for? The Olympics? Paralympics. Because he, he says he's in training, and that's why he can't go drinking. And then he says he's in training, and that's why he can't smoke dope, which, you know, that's cool. Right. But then even uh, the thirsty chick was like, wait, what are you training for? And he never answers her. Well, that's because he had a machete in his face, right? Do you think he's, like, headed to the <laughs> priesthood or something and just hasn't fessed up to it yet? Wow. That's a good idea. Well, not anymore. I don't know. He yeah. seems pretty down to you know he seems pretty dtf i don't know man so maybe i don't, I don't uh, think priesthood maybe he was heading over to her cabin to you know study the good word maybe mm. Mm. hey now hey i don't know i couldn't tell you what he was uh training for he did say that he was trying to get his legs back though i mean he still like had his legs physical training maybe yeah, like he was like I, you know, the doctor says I'll never get yeah. my use of my legs again. But yeah, so maybe it's either I I will, per, so. uh, like physical training or possibly special, not special Olympics. What like did you say the Paralympics? Yeah, yeah, maybe that. This movie would have loved a like ten minute straight up just Paralympic basketball game, just <laughs> stuck in the middle. Like Top Gun. Well, I was thinking shirt, like Sleepaway Camp and the ten minute baseball scene. Like, sure, let's yeah. do. Or is that the burning? They all run together at this point. Or like in Wayne's World, where they just play hockey for no reason. Or actually, Clerks they kind of played on, played on the roof, game right? On. Game on. I'm trying to think of like the closest Olympic sport to rolling down a flight of steps, but I can't backwards think of anything. with a knife in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of it. Reverse luge. <laughs> <laughs> Cabin luge. Yeah, little did Staring Jason know that he actually walked right into Mark's trap. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know he just put a machete in Michael Phelps' head. Oh, sheesh. <laughs> Maybe he's a swimmer. I don't know. Just in time <sighs> for the 1980 Olympics, man. <laughs> We've got enough well, controversy without a machete face. They do... I don't know. There seems to be a reason for a lot of the dialogue. Like, it's not just, it's not pointless. Like, I know earlier in the movie, Paul and Ginny talk about her background in psychology, which comes up huge when she's got this seven-year-old Hulk in front of her. Mm -hmm. Her child psychiatry background comes in play. So that throwaway line an hour ago, becomes very prominent. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that training line means something. And it's not just... It has to mean something. Could be. Could it be something that got cut later? I don't know. It's just... It, it bugs me so much because so much of this movie is very tight. There are no loose ends except where's Paul? Where's and Paul? What the hell is Mark training for? I mean, I can assume right. it's the legs thing, but I hate to assume... Did anybody so else get warm Jason. fuzzies when they saw the Pakanak Lodge or Jason's shack? I, when I saw that, when I see his shack, it reminds me of the forts we used to build 
in the woods. Like just no matter what wood we can find, we like it was just like a hodgepodge of material to make a shack or a shed or a fort that we would make in the woods. Toss a couple That's dead exactly bodies like. up top to really like structurally yeah. secure the thing. If I understand no, where you're that. from. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't so have many that. bodies. <laughs> right. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> Made a hell of a coat rack though. Yes. But no, when I get you guys finally to play the Friday the 13th game, you spend a lot of time running away from the Pakanak Lodge, and you're always trying to find Jason's shack so you can put on the sweater and dupe him into thinking you're his mom for a minute. Okay. Yeah. You guys are going to like that game. I'd like to play it. Once we get to like part seven, I think after that I'm going to make you guys play it. Hopefully by then it'll go on sale and you can get it for like five bucks. We'll have enough knowledge to be able to play through. Well, you'll know. Oh, that. I would just, I would just buy it. I, I would buy it at regular it. game price. Hmm. But um, I, I want to play it though online with you. Oh yeah, no, we'll get you in. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, yeah, if we can think of a clever way to make it content, I would be totally happy to do that. Maybe we can stream it. Oh shoot, get on Twitch. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can stream that shit. Well, there you go. There's, there's just so much lore. And fun when it comes to Jason, that a game like that is is uh, up my alley, definitely. I'm warning you, I'm terrible at video games, but so am I. No judgment. Uh, just make sure you're not like anywhere in my vicinity when we're playing together, so you don't get me killed, because <laughs> that would annoy me. <laughs> okay, a little. And bit. don't lay under the bed and piss, because that's not good. Yeah, what was up with that? Apparently, rats make you piss. I mean, she didn't scream. She was able to stifle the scream. Yeah, but she pissed. That's I mean, the... and, and she pissed did... a lot too. And how did Jason hear? <laughs> like he was out, he was gone, and her peeing made him turn around. That's some loud pee. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. How and I, I kind of like the look of the the sack with the one eye. I like that. <laughs> I do. I think it's more. It's very menacing. I don't yeah, disagree. It looks good. It seems like this yeah. would be a good point to reemphasize that this movie was made without studio involvement. Like, okay, <laughs> Paramount gets a pass on this one because they they weren't there when they filmed the the peeing. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think Travis is serious about the mask. No, I am. I am. Yeah. Oh, I, no, the, I, mask I, is, I, the mask is cool. It, it, it's it's pretty menacing. And his makeup, like at the end when he breaks through and he's not wearing a sack anymore, that's probably one of the best Jason faces that you're going to see. Does George know we get a different Jason face every time? I don't know. We, no, I didn't know that. Continuity isn't really a strong suit of the 80s movies, so buckle up, buttercup, you're going to get a different Jason every time. <laughs> it's like Myers. Myers masks every time. You just never know if they're going to do it right. 60% of the time, they, it works every time. No, 90% of the time, it looks like a big, fat, bulby-faced Michael Myers. It's very sad. Yeah, no, but I, I do have to say, every Jason face, minus maybe two of them, I've liked. I know but, the two you're referring to. Yeah, but realistically, looking at a... at a, I know you can't even say the word anymore, but like that... Type. I'm bleeping that know. shit. What? Are you? 
Well, whatever they call what it that? back, they even called it that back then. What is that? Well, it's, word it's like mean? a what is that like a deformity, like a like a birth defect. Deformity. Yeah, I was to the gonna face. I was gonna ask. Did Jason always look like that, or was that something that happened as a result of like the accident where he drowned? Was he always? I think he always looked like that. Okay, and that's why his mother said he should be watched. Like he yes. had to be, like. Well, they show him drowning in the flashbacks of the first movie, and he has that that offset eye and the kind of side, almost like... Uh, okay, I guess I missed that. Yeah, they kind of show him that way as an 11-year-old boy. Okay. And usually that's something you're born with. It's right. It's like a, an, a, yeah, well, a that, birth that's, effect. Yeah, well, that right? answers that. Yeah. Was, okay. So when, when he's an adult at the end of that movie, and you see that, like, to me, that's as realistic as I think it would probably look. I I just love that 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 design. Definitely. Remind me of uh, the Goonies. Yes, but he's kind of like a parody of what that would look like. The sloth character yeah. in Goonies, yeah. The Jason at the end of this movie is almost like a realistic, like they almost went and and did scientific study of what it would look like because it's it looks really good. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Can we talk about, I think, the most pressing issue in this movie? And we've danced around it a couple of times, but we really need to hit this right on the head. I think we've got a jurisdictional conflict with regards to law enforcement in the Camp Crystal Lake area. And it's really, I think it's contributing to an unsafe environment for residents and also visitors. Uh, (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) No, but really... uh, (laughs) I'll show you why I think that the the cop in this movie looks the way he does. Let me just run down a quick list of things that I noticed about the cop today. Uh, According to his car, he's a member of the state police. Okay. But his badge is a county sheriff's badge. And his shirt is definitely not an official uniform shirt. He just bought that at Walmart and put it on with blue So you think he's an imposter? Well, then... His collar has a PD pin on each side. Right, so that's local police department. But that's local right? police department. That's right. not state. That's not county. But then his arm patch, guys, are you ready for this? His <laughs> arm patch identifies him as a member of the Sebastopol, 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 Sebastopol police, a city from Northern California. Right. So they must have got it at a thrift store. I thought you were going to say the... The arm patch said like Haddonfield Memorial Security. <laughs> that would have been amazing. No. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were talking about like his stripes. You were gonna say he was like a uh, like a major and or something, or just like captain mm, or something. Push the glasses up to the bridge of my nose. Well, guys, you see, he is a, a desk <laughs> sergeant. He should not be outside of the precinct. Exactly. Right. But for real, the last movie, part one, you've got a you know regular blue shirt city cop out on his motorcycle. Okay, local cop outside of the edge of the jurisdiction. Okay, okay, maybe, maybe. But this guy. He's <sighs> way out there. He's way out there. I don't know that we had a great law enforcement advisor working mm. on part two. And I think it makes us all less safe. Yeah. Mm. And, and and that kind of goes throughout the entire, tri- uh, I don't want to say trilogy, I guess the uh, series, is it's almost like the police are Keystone cops sometimes. Like they, they're not almost like they're trying to cover up everything because of the, the black eye that Jason is on the town, on yeah. the city. Like they're not ever helpful. 
until you get like later in the movies ever helpful. There's real fertile ground. Uh, if they were ever to like reboot the series and try again, but maybe make it all, you know, connect and make sense as an actual movie instead of just mm. a fun romp. Right. For a, you know, uh, the police putting up with its situation. I really, I think you could get some good mileage out of that. Right. But I don't think that this guy's going to pass muster. He's not going to cut mustard either. <laughs> I was like, Something's coming. It was like the cat. You have to like shake the, the bottle around. a little bit to get it to come out. So, <laughs> took me a minute. Tap the 50, you got to tap the 57. So, George, we did it. We threw you into the deep end with maybe my favorite sequel to any slasher movie. It mm. might be one of my top five favorite slasher movies, too. I mean, it's it's real. It's definitely better than the first one. It's lean and mean, man. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. No? I think I like the first one better. Okay. I just I I guess because I'm a fan of Jason, that it was it, to me it's special because it's his first, it's his first appearance. I think by the time we get George up to like part four and five and six, if he goes back and watches two again, he's gonna see all the things he's grown to love about our favorite slasher from the woods, and then he'll he'll understand why we're so keen on it. Hmm. They're well between one and two. They're different movies. Yes, like, they're, they're very different. different. Um, you know, just just because I said you know I I liked one better. It's just I don't know. Two two seemed more straightforward. Mm-hmm. One was really well, it was a twist. It was really mysterious. Yeah. So I like that. But two was good. It was a romp. I see it. for me. It's 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 more of a selfish reason. I think the heroine. And the second one is way more. You keep watch- saying heroin, and I keep thinking of the drug. Of the drug, yeah. Uh, the, the the like, yeah, the heroin was good, but did you try the LSD? <laughs> did you try the LSD? <laughs> uh, survivor girl, uh, Ginny, the survivor girl, Ginny, yeah. is a way more developed, uh, likable character. I, I felt Alice was over the top theater actor kind of. I agree. Uh, what about the? Boy, in the lake. She was more likable like, too. Yeah, she was. She was likable, but I think Ginny was a, a more of a um, Ripley type character. No, no, no. I mean, Jenny was more. Jenny was more likable. Yeah. yeah, and I think that her, she had many layers that they never really explored, and I, I think that's. I would like to see a, a sequel, uh, or maybe a prequel, to kind of see where where she came from and what what she's all about, because I think there's more to her than, than they show you in that movie. And you'll find that every movie kind of gives you special characters where you, you'll you'll have a, a liking towards more... You'll, you'll, the more you watch, you'll be like, oh, man, that's a really good character. That's a really cool you character. You know what just popped into my mind? Okay, check it out. There's two chainsaw references mm-hmm. in this movie, right? One is the actual chainsaw, right? right. She turns the chainsaw on they keep on in the kitchen him. for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. It's a kitchen uh, chainsaw. Come on, Travis. Ketchup. <laughs> if you have to cut like a really big ham, yeah, you just use barbecuing. that. Barbecuing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So that was that was number one. Number two, the guy in the wheelchair mm. getting the hatchet in the face is what you wanted to happen. Yes. To the guy in the wheelchair and chainsaw. Definitely. That's an excellent point. This movie gives you the satisfaction. That chainsaw didn't give you. Mm. Yes. I don't know, man. Wheelchair guy and chainsaw gets effed up pretty good, though. Yeah, but you don't see it. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, but it's not hatchet <laughs> yeah, in the face, rolls the down face. the steps, though. Yeah. That's I, true. I he wanted... didn't go rolling down the steps in a reverse luge. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did in the beginning of the movie, but it had nothing to do with being killed. It was just him going down the hill. And he peed on is... himself, too, just like uh, Jenny. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. It's like hmm. we're going down a Texas Chainsaw checklist. Tex check <laughs> Texas chain Texas list chainsaw. massive. <laughs> car. Massive sure. car. Massive, massive van. <laughs> massive van. I would love some really, really good director to come along and maybe a screenwriter to tie those movies together. Chainsaw like to, and to, Friday like, the 13th? Yeah, to kind of put them in the same in, uh, universe. I don't know. Oh my I, God. I, if you set that movie uh, that you're talking about in 2020, Leatherface and Jason would be in a lot of the same Facebook groups and would probably be like messaging on the side. Like, yeah, dog, I get you. I hate these people. I can't believe that guy posted that either. We should go to his house and chainsaw him. Oh, I forgot. Neither one of us can drive. I guess we'll have to stay local. Mm. Emoji. I mean, they tied, they tied, they tied Jason and Freddy together really well. I wonder if they would be able to tie Leatherface, that that whole Sawyer family into the universe of Jason and the Voorhees. Like maybe even tie the Voorhees family with the Sawyer family. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool. You know what's funny? Dan. What's funny, George? You just described our friendship. I know. No, that was intentional. <laughs> it's like, seriously, no, like we met on like a guitar Facebook right. group. And, and started, started instant on the messaging. Yeah. So many sweaty guitars and so much sweaty. magic pi- pixie dust in those pedals. Topless, topless S- guitars. So much mojo. Dude, we you sent can see so, the bolts. We sent so many like <laughs> open guts pics of pedals to each other for about three years. Oh, yeah. Dude, so hot. check out the solder work on this one. I think it's going <laughs> to sound awesome. <laughs> oh, it's broken. I bought a broken pedal again. Damn it. <laughs> You think this pedal would fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> it fucked me so hard. It's all about the Sorry. mojo, man. It's I that just mojo. keep hearing, keep hearing him in my head when you guys talk about guitars. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lust element to guitars. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, that sweaty guitar did things to me. I mean, I did things to me. <laughs> Travis's mic stand needs a blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen at a gig just, one time. I was using like, like a generic. I showed up to this bar and the guy's like, "Here's your mic stand," and it's all like held together with duct tape and shit. And uh, I mean, literally, probably because it was a gross bar. And as I'm playing the first song, it the boom just goes, <laughs> and it's like pointed exactly at my like- knee. So I look at the audience without missing the beat. I was so proud of myself. I pick the thing back up and I go, "Oh my god, this has never happened to me before." <laughs> Nobody I took laughed. The I took the assholes. red pill. Oh shit! It's the best really? joke I ever told. <laughs> it happens. It happens to all of us. Cuff, <laughs> off the cuff, and they didn't even. Not laugh. me, man. Not me. <laughs> I still dig my oh, wife. Oh man, I'm gonna need 25 <laughs> to 30 minutes, <laughs> and then I'm good to Dig go the... for like a four-hour set. What's up? It's still doing it. It's still. Cre- Is it slowly it's creeping down? So. <laughs> oh my god! Slow. It keeps doing. It's it. like. <laughs> It's like uh, it's like glacier movements. It's yeah. ridiculous. God, <laughs> you... like after like fifteen minutes, <laughs> is this? It's a... like watching the Travis's. <laughs> it's like watching the moon move. It's like 
<laughs> Travis is using a microphone stand. Yeah. Dude, give it, it 15 minutes. Yep, like, it's going to be at my chest again. <laughs> Travis's chin. That microphone stand. Chin is <laughs> it's, in, it's in training. It, it's getting there. The doctor says it'll never work again. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting like a body scan by this fucking thing. It's starting very slow in my forehead <laughs> and going down to my nuts. <laughs> And it's like taking forever. It's like the <laughs> longest scan ever. It's like it's like the uh, you know how like you boil a frog, you know, you just yeah. throw them in the water yeah. and they and just like there and slowly bring up the heat. That's mm-hmm. what it's doing to you. It's, it's lulled you into this false sense of security. Like I'm not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, and then right, and then right now it doesn't like, look like it's moving, but I know it is. It starts to creep. <laughs> then, dude, like after 15 minutes. Travis's chin is in his, is in his neck. <laughs> Which it normally is anyway. <laughs> the microphone's like down. Oh, mm. shit. Holy crap. I was waiting for you to say something. I'm like, he's just going to let me do this. I got my head tilted. I'm like, er, and then, and then. She's the least. We did say this was going to be unorthodox episode, right? Guys, we I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, uh, we're giving the people their bonus 14th episode. Uh, it's going to be a bonus, bunch of bullshit. But we know the he truth. Said bonus. The blue pill. Uh, holy, holy shit. Okay. We're back. I'll mm. tell you that. Right. Back to the thing we're actually supposed to be talking about tonight. Uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th, part two. I don't know if you remember, but a while back we were talking about Friday the 13th, part two. Let's yeah. bring it back real quick. <laughs> Got it. So, guys, a question for you. Did we just watch the debut of Jason Voorhees? Or did we just watch some rando in a sack mask kill a bunch of people? It's a great question. I mean, nobody I checked his ID. Right. This might have been, like, Pamela's little, like, you know, on-the-side lover boy, little angry at the murder of his love. She right. might have had a second kid. This might be Mason Voorhees. Mason. <laughs> Javier Ethan. Voorhees. I don't know. He's def- Ethan Voorhees. He's definitely a Chad. Chad Voorhees. <laughs> you haven't played the game yet, but you'll understand why I'm laughing on the inside, Travis. Right. Okay. The Chad. The Chad is the true true hero. <gasps> Love okay. Chad. Pour one out for Chad. Chad's a dick. Chad. What a dick. But here's the thing. You could potentially uh, read the ending, the, the confrontation mm-hmm. in, in the shack of the person we assume to be Jason. Imagine, if you will, 35-year-old man wears a sack on his head, lives in the woods, poops in the shack, okay? Mm-hmm. Keeps a severed head of someone important to him, but not necessarily his mother. Surrounded right. by bodies of people he's killed, including Alice. Did you catch Alice is on the ground all rotted up with an ice pick in her head still? No. Yeah, she's there. Go back and look. It's pretty cool. Anyway. Take that home. So you're this guy. You don't get a lot of visitors since they killed your Pamela, whatever she was to you. And one day you get back to your shack and some crazy lady puts on a moldy ass sweater and starts pretending she's your mom. Wouldn't you be a little shocked? You might even turn your head and go, what the hell is this lady thinking? <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't have to be Jason in that mask. Would right? You, would you get on your knees, though? 
I mean, yeah, you know, he kind of depending on his uh, relationship with Pamela, that might be the response. I like where you're going, but I just I can't really see. I mean, it's Jason. Let's just. I mean, yeah, I'm I just, can't really yeah, see Jason. why but she like, would have a relationship with him. You could make a compelling him. argument that this was yeah. never Jason, that Jason drowned in the lake, and this is somebody right. else related to the situation. An, an opportunist. Yeah. Maybe somebody who just wants those pesky kids to get off his lawn, so he's going to keep a folklore and like a this legend alive. Well, and that's the thing. With the quality of law enforcement in the Crystal Lake area, any killing of this sort is going to get blamed on Jason, whether it was mm-hmm. him or not. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're playing to the narrative at that point, not exploring the actual narrative. Mm. I'm just trying to come up with a reason why maybe the continuity of the faces and body styles gets so wonky here pretty quick. Right. <laughs> because right. it's not actually the same dude. They just keep blaming every mass murder. On like Jason, rather cats. than looking at their own like education system and you know economy, mm. yeah. So we're gonna do a little something different now, guys. Uh, we are gonna switch gears, and I am going to pull the curtain back a little bit on how we got from deformed demon child who's still for some reason eight years old popping out of the lake uh, to mm. two months later a full grown man in a in a sack mask, okay, finding his way to. Our friend Alice. So, listeners, feel free to watch along with us. I'm going to throw some timestamps out. Uh, we're going to watch these movies in the easiest available form. Uh, the Town That Dreaded Sundown. Amazon Prime listed as 1977. It's actually 1976. Uh, we're going to watch that one first. So, George, hit that Amazon Prime and uh, let's watch The Town That Dreaded Sundown. The Town That Dreaded Sundown, 1977 Prime. Oh, I see a sack. I also do, yes. Are okay, you guys checking watch. out that guy's sack? Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It's sweaty. Now, keep in mind, this movie actually predates Halloween as well. So, that's kind of fun. And this movie's based on a true story. And the true stories are, it's a riveting tale if you ever have time for an actual nonfiction book. Okay, give me a timestamp. Okay, yeah. go ahead and, George, we're going to start here at the zero mark, and we're going to watch the first six minutes. So, listeners, feel free to pause the podcast, watch the first six minutes of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and then come right back, and we'll talk about what we saw. In the first, like, I don't know, we're two minutes in, and I know exactly where we are. Like, this movie's done an excellent job. Oh, shit. Hey, look at that. Remember how we met Jason at the oh, beginning yeah. of part two? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. That's exactly how he walked on the screen. Got a bit of a swag. He does. He's he's out there. He's he's letting it swing a little bit. But for real, like I mean, this shot. They're yeah. like, hey, how are we going to introduce this killer guy? Well, I don't know. Uh, the same way they did four years ago. <laughs> let's remember that guy we ripped off the way he looks. Let's just steal that scene yeah. too. Can I just say I'm happy to live in a time where. I never had to like park a car in the middle of the woods and pretend you're yawning to, to put your arm around. Try somebody. to like convince a girl that maybe we should like smooch and stuff. Like what a God, I... what an uncomfortable time. What's that? What's he doing? He just went for it, man. He's just laying in that lap. <laughs> She's not buying that move, though. No. <gasps> this is like if Disney would have done a slasher film. Dude, 
it's not gonna stay like that. This movie's pretty pretty cray. I found this originally. It was on like my blockbuster shelf and for years I never rented mm. it. I remember seeing the cover on the on the wall at the at the video store and I I always thought it was a ripoff of Friday thirteenth. Yeah, I just never I knew it was there. <laughs> I always want it's a compelling cover, but I never wanted to rent it. And then years later I found like a pirated copy of a VHS rip and it was just right. like, Oh my god, I finally get to watch this movie and no lie, like six months later they put it out on Blu ray out of nowhere. Wow. So now I have the Blu ray and it's wonderful. They don't play around in this movie though. I mean No, like this is what, five minutes in? Yeah. Oh my god. I love it. Did he rip a piece of the engine yeah. out? Yeah, so he, she can't he start ripped it. something out of the engine so it wouldn't start. He does have two eye slits. Yeah. Though, or eye holes. But when he's first introduced, you only see, see one, the, one the other eye, one's yeah. in a shadow. Well, that's, that's a <laughs> reference. Oh, Jesus. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that window? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, the blood dripping off the broken window. I mean, this, for a movie that starts out like wholesome and friendly, we got to yeah. menacing in about five minutes. Quickly, yeah. I really don't like the way this scene resolves. It makes me uncomfortable. It's the moral of the story. Don't go necking in the woods. Yikes. So what do you think, guys? Off to a pretty strong wow, and that's start. How, that's how you start a movie. <laughs> that was <laughs> terrifying. But can I tell you, uh, the next like 40 minutes are a little slow. So listeners, we're going to skip. We got to about the six minute mark. Uh, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Now, before we jump to the next timestamp, uh, George, if you want to skip to like... Let's call it the eight-minute mark. Just get yourself a visual of the main cop who's working the beat here. Oh, wow. She survived all that? That's what happens when these are based on true stories. People actually yeah. do survive the attacks, which is both kind of less effed up and kind of more effed up. Yeah. But, you know, seven thirty eight. just take a look at the main sheriff's deputy that's working this case and see if you recognize that outfit at all. Hmm. All right, I'm at, I'm at 7.22... Uh, he looks okay. like uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got real police pants. He doesn't have yeah. blue jeans, but that mm-hmm. open collar, sheriff's badge, beige Cowboy shirt. Hat. I mean, it's it kind of looks like uh, what's his name from uh, Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, aviators. But I think this is probably as close to historically accurate as you're gonna get. You know, yeah. they're they're going for realism in this movie, but it definitely informs what the cop is wearing in part two a lot more than. Even Friday 1 informed what the cop was wearing in Friday 2, which is strange. But, I mean, if you're stealing aesthetics, you might as well steal it all. Stick to it. So, skip ahead to 42.35. And for the listeners who want to join us on this journey, pause it after you've watched 10 minutes to 52.35. There's a lot going on in this movie. I recommend this movie sometime, guys, even though I'm spoiling it for you heavily. It's a good watch. It's hokey in places. It's definitely not... You know, it's not there yet. This is pre-Halloween for sure. We haven't got the formula yet. If they would have stuck with what they did in the first eight minutes, they probably would have been closer to the formula than they thought. I don't know that you could sustain that amount of menace for that long, though. No? You know, you got to ebb and flow a little bit to really make it work. This movie doesn't necessarily work. I mean, I'm not handing it the Oscar yet, but when it when it's on, it's it's not playing. What we've done is we've basically skipped a bunch of exposition and a lot of police procedural stuff, which 
Right. It's fine. The guy uh, on the left now is a Texas Ranger. So if you need any roundhouse kicks, uh, mm-hmm. that guy might be your guy. Mm-hmm. He does not look like Chuck Norris. But we have not missed any malice. But look, our friend is back. Stop staring at his sack, George. <laughs> I'm just happy he's uh, wearing a mask. Is he practicing social distancing? It's so so funny. I was watching a vampire movie today from the 60s, and the surgeon's wearing this mask, and I'm just like, man, your nurse has her nose poking out. You really ought to get it. Like, oh, right. <laughs> not wearing it right. Still, though, I mean, in an operating room, she probably ought to cover that knees. Yeah, in. you would think. Man, why? Okay, so there's a guy running around killing people, making out in cars. You really just can't, like, make out in your basement. Like, Yeah, right. You can't just be like, mom and dad. I've got a girl I like, and I'm going to smooch her, but I don't want to get killed. And they're like, we would rather you risk getting killed than smooch under our roof. They look like they're 42 years old. (laughs) They don't look like high school students. Well, I think it's one, if I remember from the real story, that guy's like in his early 20s and she's like a high school junior. I love his body language. I do have to say. He's a good actor, man. Yeah, he's got like, I love that hunched over kind of shuffle he's doing. Very creepy. It lacks all supernatural influence. Like he is just a just a creepy predator guy. But that's not to say he's not going to have some fun here in a minute. He used to like to put himself in danger. Yeah, the stunt work's pretty fun. A little spectacle for your movie watcher. A lot of screaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, not yeah. like a fun, like, ha, 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 kind of, we're in a slasher movie screen. Like, there's no fun in this scene so far. This is just menace. Brutal. Little hand-to-hand combat. How come he doesn't carry weapons? He does. There you go. Blackjack? The breathing into the mask is super creepy. Yeah. They don't do enough of that with the Jason one, where, you no. know, you see it, like, retract into his... Ooh. Face. Well, he's wearing a he's wearing a potato sack and Jason, right? This looks like a pillowcase. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, little density difference. I mean, it's not it, right. It's the one extra, beat. but it adds to it it's, definitely. It's the one extra beat in the the Vanilla Ice song to make it no longer copying. Is George still there? He's awful quiet. He's yeah, here, I'm yeah. watching. Excellent. I'm here. This would be as good a time as any to point out the the woods setting, whereas part one mm. is very much just in the camp. But part right. two managed to go out into the woods for most of the beginning. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot more trees, a lot more in the in the woods rather than walking alongside it like in the first one. Can't imagine where they got that idea. Yeah. This chick is very Fay Ray. Her screams are good. This is really good, Dan. I'm glad you guys like it. Like the 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 breathing in the mask is awesome. The menacing way the mask is shot is awesome. Her, and the way he moves. It's really raw, too. Like, they're really dragging out this kill. You know, it's it's it seems more realistic. Yeah. Right? Like, obviously, you said this was based on a true story, so it's supposed to be. Let's just say it this doesn't, is, doesn't necessarily stick too close to the, the okay. reality. Well, yeah. Right. Which you'll see here soon. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, the willingness to actually drag out the actual confrontation rather than just, like, you know, cut like to quick, a cool kill. cheap kills. Like, this is right. This is a story within a story. Like, they're going to show 
notice here he is not taller than that tree like our friend Jason. Right. But he does <laughs> mm-hmm. end up wrapping her around the tree, which is a little bit familiar. He's just not using a garret. Also, there's no, like, the sound is much different. There's no music. eerie sounds, music, anything like that. Like the soundtrack no jump is scare. her screams. Yeah, no jump scare sounds or anything. Kind of reminds me of that fight in The Dark Knight Rises where they just don't score it. Oh. Mm. Yeah, escalating He's... to a firearm. A little different. Mm-hmm. Now, question, do they ever establish why this guy's doing this? No. Okay. Because they know it makes it scarier when you don't know why someone's doing the killing. Right. I mean, do they even, like, say, like, is it territorial? Like, whenever uh-huh. they end up... Okay. That's like an old school re- revolver. What is that? It's like a... It does lend a different thing. You don't see... I mean, I'm trying to think of any slasher movie where the main guy uses a pistol. Right. But well, for him to away beat the, the guy up first and like bloody him up and then finish him with a pistol is so much more yeah, it's very malicious. scary and malicious and violent and brutal than to just like be shooting guys, right? This is not an action movie. This is a horror movie. And right. they fa- they somehow walk that line well enough that you got to see a guy use a pistol in a horrific way. And then there's this part, guys. This part's so amazing that I might have written a song about it years ago. Is that a trombone? Yep. <laughs> She's a trombone player in the band. Oh, okay. And in real life, there was something where like her missing trombone was always a, a key to trying to find the killer because it was missing from the car when they found it. And that's okay. a traceable thing. So, I mean, the weird thing is what you're about to see is based on one of the pivotal clues in the case. But then, what? I mean, I don't. I don't think George is ready for what he's about to witness. Okay. So, George. Yeah. You just saw a woman murdered by a Jason Voorhees-looking dude carrying a trombone with a knife taped to it? Yeah. Tell I'm me your initial uh, reaction. This is like the maybe my favorite and maybe the most pivotal scene in the entire movie. Trombone kill. How are you feeling after the trombone kill? Um, I want to hear his reaction, then I want to give my honest opinion. <laughs> It's not very practical. <laughs> um, no, I'm like, I'm trying to get into like the mind of yeah. of this guy. No, no, like, no. I just want George. I don't need you to tell me why he did it. I want to hear George. George, you just watched a woman killed by a trombone <laughs> in a movie that a minute before you were like, I really like this movie. Does George still like this movie? Yeah. I'll take it. Travis, what you got, man? I, I, I felt that that, it was amazing until that happened. Until that happened? Yeah, and then I'm like, yeah, no. No. How did this make it past the writing phase? Like, it was amazing, and then that happened. And I'm like, no. I think they're really going for something. Are they? I think they're really, well, I think they're swinging for the fences a little bit. I don't know if they actually succeed. I mean, it's freaking weird to watch a lady get stabbed. By a trombone knife. I think I would have been fine with it, even the trombone knife, if he didn't wasn't blowing into it. Oh, but that makes it so much creepier because you get that weird yeah, like, fl- 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 sound. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't. It it almost seemed comical. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, yeah. It's hilarious. Like this movie it's, seems brutal until I saw that, and I'm like, wait, is this a Monty Python movie? What's going on? At first glance, it's 
hysterically funny that a man is playing a trombone to death. Like, he's blowing his own <laughs> trombone to murder. What? Huh? Yeah. I think what it is, one thing that you guys don't know, because you didn't see the in-between parts of this movie, they established pretty early on that there are some sadosexual elements to these uh, victims. You know, okay. lots of uh, bite marks in places and definitely a, a sexual edge to the killings, which much more realistic than a Jason killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank yep. goodness there's no sexual element to the Jason. I don't think that would add anything to that movie. No, no. But in this movie, they've established that he's a, he's got a sexual sadism to him. And so in 1977, this is this guy's like first or second movie. And how do you present sadomasochistic sex in a mainstream-ish American movie in 1977? I mean, the short answer is you you don't, or you end up in a porno theater. Like, they do not show sadosexual behavior in a movie. Uh, and I don't know that it would add anything to it, even if they did. But when in doubt, oh, so kill by trombone? So the solution was tape a... Uh a knife to a trombone. Well, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to blend that element, you know, the the actual clue, the missing trombone. The, trum- with the trombone does have a emotion phallus. to it. Okay. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, he's definitely, he's not exactly subtle in his um, rhythmic presentation of the trombone. Right. You know, it's got a, mm-hmm. it's got a thing to it on purpose. She's tied up in a certain manner. I mean, I think what it reminds doing... me of the uh, of the lust kill in seven. Yes, very much so. Very yeah. much so. Yes, but we're not saying it's at successful, no point did Travis. it get comical. It it never like when he's describing to them, and then he made me put it on. He made me put it on, and he made me fuck her, and he's like yeah. screaming. Yeah, like you never are taken out of that scene. You're completely in it. You're invested in his emotion based yep. on this. I was I was on board. But this and is then also happened, 1977. Like, it as doesn't well. matter. Texas Chainsaw was 74, so th- they were able to draw me in with a really awesome killer character without any backstory and missing 40 minutes of this movie. I'm I'm all in. I'm about to go buy this DVD. And then I see that. And then you see trombone kill. I see the trombone kill. So you think kill that they shouldn't? They just should have left the trum- the missing yes. trombone from real life alone, and or do the kill by trombone? The whole blowing and putting the knife on the end just kind of didn't. I don't know. I'd have to maybe see it all in full context, but even then, I don't. I don't think I would have liked that scene. That would have been an eye roll for me. Spoiler okay. alert, Travis. Uh, even in full context, it's pretty goofy. Okay, <laughs> but it, it's memorable as hell. I mean, you're not gonna forget yeah. Trombone Kill in a movie that you know. I mean, nobody's ripped off Trombone Kill yet. No, it's still right for it, the borrowing. But when done right, it never takes you out of the scene. Like even when when we go back to Silence of Lambs, even when Buffalo Bill does the tuck and he stands up and he you know he's standing there naked. Yeah. It never, as, as, exactly, as weird as it was, it never took you out of the movie. It never, it added to it, it added to the creepiness. That did not add to the creepiness of this character. So to me, it was a fail. Well, we're not watching this movie for you to judge this movie. 
we're watching this movie <laughs> so you can see where Friday got all its great but ideas. Definitely, and it's yes. it's just too bad they left the trombone kill on the cutting room floor of part two. <laughs> yeah. If they left that, if they left that, if they put that in the movie, I probably would not have part two in my top. You probably wouldn't have a Friday part three if they had. Yeah, that this is true. Because <laughs> we never did true. get the town of the dreaded sundown too. Although they did eventually make a remake, which I felt like I was living in a fantasy world that one of my favorite movies that no one's ever heard of got a remake. But right, yeah. Did Rob Zombie do it? Oh, that would have been awesome. You gotta fuck the trombone, fuck, fuck, trombone, fuck, fuck, fuck. You gotta we'll actually find fuck out the, the trombone. We're gonna find out that that trombone has a backstory. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like the, the hottest trombone, but then it was like assaulted right. by a family member. Like a French horn got it, and then now it just murders people. Uh, I hate those. Trombone movies. had a troubled past. Troubled past. Hey, so, uh, but... I'm glad you showed me this, though. There's one more scene you got to watch. Some good but before shit. we get there, have you noticed the preponderance of cars and car terror in this one? Mm. There was mm-hmm. no car terror in part one of Friday. We're not building right. on an idea from the original Friday, right? There's the pulling up and picking up Annie mm-hmm. with a car. Uh, mm. You know, and Pamela Voorhees pulls up in a car, but there's no actual horror within the car. Right, that becomes trope but then with part two. By part two, they're borrowing mm-hmm. from Halloween, but also notice the omnipresence of cars, right? Mm-hmm. More so even than Halloween, where you've got like one important car the whole time, maybe two if you argue that uh, Annie and uh, Lori's ride around in that car is important to the story, you know, because Annie gets the old right. crossover, chokey, stabby slash. But... Mm-hmm. The focus on the car, especially Jenny's car, in part two, it's a little bit Halloween. It's also mm-hmm. a little bit Town of the Dreaded Sundown, man. Yeah. Yeah. While we're borrowing it, aesthetics. And it definitely becomes a staple. Oh, man. Almost to the point where it becomes a staple for all horror movies. When Chevy, I think a couple of years ago, did a commercial. It was either Chevy or Ford, uh, where they show just- Wasn't a good commercial then, was it? Well, it, it, it was a super. I don't know if it was Super Bowl commercial. I think it was Chevy, and they just do a, a compilation of of horror movies where people are trying to start their car. Right, and none of them are. None of them are starting, and none of them are Chevys. Right, right. Gotcha. So they kind of yeah, it was good. Love it. So, uh, there's also <laughs> coming up here. You're gonna see uh, the last little payoff from this movie that snuck its way into part two, but also just a, the last great scene from this movie. Go ahead and skip to one hour, seven minutes, 40 seconds. And if you're playing along at home, go ahead and watch about nine and a half minutes and then come on back. Uh-huh. Now this is Alice's kill. Well, I mean, parts of it might seem familiar. Yeah. Parts of it are not going to seem familiar. <laughs> is this where the trumpet comes in? <laughs> no. The, oh, we're back to full malice at this point. Like the the, oh, okay. the little bit of fun you had with the trumpet is over and now the movie's not fun anymore. Okay. I was going to say, no, she's a cello player or yeah, something. It's not like the flute, the <laughs> flute in the American Pie. She's playing a piccolo, but nobody can see it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of 70s pretty. Oh, my. Oh, nice. See, so yeah, uh ambush shot through a window in the back of the head. That is, wow. that does not follow any of our slasher rules, nope. guys. Nope. Is that? 
Is that Marianne from Gilligan's Island? Yes, it is. But yeah, he's still kind of squirming on the ground. That's that's gross. That's how you make a gun kill horrific is you show yeah. the aftermath. Yeah. Oh, shit. Holy mackerel. Wow, cheek shot. Yeah, that's Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Getting shot Damn. in the face. Jesus. I love that point of view shot. The, the feet. She's still moving. She's a trooper. She's got two headshots. This could easily be uh, a Friday Thirteenth movie. That bit where he One. like walks into view in the kitchen doorway. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I love it. Oh, yikes! I kind of wish he didn't have a gun. That takes the fun out of it. I don't know the way that they're using it though. It's still horrific, and yeah, I think it's, it's it's very horrific. It's all yes. in how they frame the kill and how in the attack, and then you know. Showing this like animalistic struggle to survive, like it's really successful horror in a way that I've never seen mm-hmm. since. Like I, uh, you don't see this kind of realistic brutality. Yeah, oof. Yeah, it's definitely. Oh, real but look brutal. what he picked up, boys. Nice pickaxe. He's he's a uh, Fortnite. Well, no, I, <laughs> that's that that was what Jason used in part two, yes. man. There, yeah. there's yeah. your weapon. That's where he gets it. Check, man. Is she gonna pee herself? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he's missing is like a Negan whistle. <laughs> like as he's chasing her, he's like, yeah. But he's not here to taunt, man. He's just here to no. cause havoc. He, he's missing a. <laughs> yeah. It's insane how similar this is to Jason. Yeah. In part two. Yeah, I That's mean, crazy. I feel like uh, it's that Mr. Bean copying off the guy next to him, you know? Fred at mm. 13's just like dropping pins on the floor so he can get a look at the at the notes that <laughs> Sound of the Dread Sundown has. Like, ooh, this is a great idea. Oh, uh, no, I wasn't looking. Seriously. I mean, this is, this is sheer theft. But at the same time, this scene is way different, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the blocking isn't the same at all, but the... Character design is just, just the character design is yeah it's there. I mean maybe that's who this guy was right? He got tired of killing in Texarkana and he moved on to Crystal Lake. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This could easily be branded as a Friday Thirteenth movie. Like it's not. It fits right into that that uh, universe. Although the timing, you know, being in like forty nine and fifty, right? You could say. I mean, here you go. Here's how you tie these two together. Here's Dan fixes it. Uh, you make this guy Elias Voorhees, father of Jason. And this is why Pamela's a single mother, because right. she realizes that her husband's been killing people. So she takes off. And ends explains up maybe Lake. Jason's deformities. Maybe maybe he was beaten as a child. I mean, I think we just copyright Remedial Film Class <laughs> podcast, right? That We're keeping that. Mail that shit to ourselves. <laughs> We're writing movies tonight, people. I mean, watching this movie and writing a movie, I think we just wrote Friday Part 2. Yeah. What they <laughs> should do with this chick is he should string her up on a crucifix in that front yard so when they wake up the next morning, she's a scarecrow in their in their cornfield. How many franchises are you going to tie together here, Travis? Oh, well, you mean like Jeepers Creepers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it would be a cool kill to like make her... Into a scarecrow in their front lawn. The neighbor's not answering the door like Halloween. Yes. 
Even though the nip Tommy, is clearly home. Open the door. Dog. Mm-hmm. Big dog. Lights on. Oh wow, is that a pit bull? That's yeah. a that's a terrier. Wow, this is very this is very Halloween. Or he puts the pickaxe in the back of her head and then drags her back with the pickaxe. That would be amazing. I don't think they uh, I don't think they're gonna give you that one though. But look at that. I mean the look of yeah. him frustrated with the his breathing, mask yeah. pulling back with the breathing like whoa, it's way scarier mm-hmm. than it should be. But it, it really works in places. So you see why I forgive the trombone, because the rest yes. of the movie's so good. Absolutely. And that's what makes me angry about the trombone. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. Oh, it's like all of a sudden. There's a lot more hokiness in the parts we skipped. I mean, it, it's not a totally sure. consistent movie, but it's very watchable. It's one I used to show people a lot when we used to be able to see people, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so keep watching here. This is like their, uh, you get a, an idea of the town's reaction, right? A lot of it may seem sort of familiar, you know, everybody stayed in their homes, away from each other, and avoided the darkness. That part's not so real. What's this guy delivering? That's your uh, midday newspaper, man. (laughs) Sorry, don't they have the internet? (laughs) (laughs) You really have high expectations for the the 1970s presentation of the 1940s. Hey, I bet you that uh, police cars of the correct jurisdiction, though. I don't know. It seems kind of like an England. Actually, uh, the part right there, they just said there's like nine different police agencies in Texarkana right now looking for this guy. So you got a little bit of an English car. Yeah. This is the opposite of what Loomis wanted to happen. Hey, you remember that lady from part three? (laughs) Oh, cat scare. Womp womp. Okay, we can turn it off now. Now that we've got our cat scare (laughs) box checked. (laughs) <laughs> that lady reminds me so much of the lady at the beginning of part three, Travis. Yes, yes, yes. Although she's yes. actually old, not just playing Uh-oh. old. But mm-hmm. George will have to learn about that soon. They kind of continue with it. Like, we'll talk about it next week. They do continue with a lot of the stuff we just watched. Oh, yeah. It, become, it becomes Friday trope. Like, you expect it in a Friday movie. Just the, the way they shoot him uh, walking and stuff. What do you Love think it. of the town that dreaded sundown, George, uh, as a an influence on Friday Part Two? I think it's uh, it's clear as day. Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable, really. Spot on. The remarkable thing is, Friday Two is as watchable with very few of the actual like physical elements that that movie had, like the things that made the town that dreaded sundown successful. You don't see those in Friday Part 2. And Friday Part 2, the things that made it successful, there's none of that in Sundown. Right. But the aesthetic influence is just overwhelming. Yeah. No, they definitely, I I give kudos to the creators of Part 2 to recognize this as, yes, that's our Jason. Easily. Like, you can tell. Like, if I was watching this movie in 76, I would say... This this needs to be like the go to for our for our killer definitely. Well, and imagine we went through the Michael Myers checklist earlier, kind of tongue in cheek because I knew this was coming. Jason is so much different aside from those four items that I listed mm-hmm. from Michael Myers because he is so much more similar to this nameless 
Faceless Killer mm-hmm. in Sundown. So thank you, Sundown, because without that, you just get another Michael Myers. Right. So it's what sets us on this course for just a little separation between the two to allow them to kind of coexist in the same very similar market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's what I love about the 80s is they were able to keep this going and and create enough branded characters that are similar but are different enough to where you can have six or seven of these characters and love them all. It's a good time. It was really a good time. It's a shame yeah. I missed it all because I was a kid. What makes me angry is whenever they put those five or six together in poster form or in t-shirts or whatever, they always inject Chucky in there, and I don't understand. Mm. I don't get it. Like he, Chucky doesn't f- even hold a candle to the icons of Leatherface, Jason, Freddy, Michael, and Pinhead. Like I just to me. Is it because Chucky he's so small he fit. can just like fit in down between their legs? Like you get all these men standing up and then this empty spot where their legs are where you just, oh, just throw Chucky in there. <laughs> it's like a, he's like the Yoda of the group. But Ch- I don't know. He's just not scary. All right. So you've seen The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 1976. Let me take you back to 1971, George, with another mm. very influential, not just on this one, uh, not just on Friday the 13th Part 2, but also the original. Go ahead and go to YouTube, because thanks to Italian rights, uh, we can watch it uh, in the public domain. Although the Blu-ray from Arrow is fantastic, if you are so inclined. Um, the movie is called A Bay of Blood, from 1971. I've heard you talk about this movie before. It actually it came up a little bit in the Friday Part 1. But now we're really going to get into it. This one, the one I'm watching is, it actually says, A Bay of Blood, 1971. It was uploaded by Fernando Paca. Thank you, Fernando. Here it is, 1971. Now, there are going to be a lot more jumps in Bay of Blood than there were in A Town That Dreaded Sundown. So instead of telling you how much to watch, I'm just going to tell you the timestamps, and then I'm going to compress what we watched live for time and so that you can listen to it without having to watch with the video. So what that means for you is you're going to want to look at the show notes to see exactly how much of each clip to watch if you're not willing to watch the entire movie. But just watch the whole movie. What? Come on, guys. It's so good. Sort of. All right. So we're just going to go ahead and start at the zero mark. I want you to get a feel for the score, but also the the bay setting that they just emphasize really hard in the first minute and a half, two minutes. Sure. Yeah, sure so, do. I see Mario Bava. Yes, this is a Mario Bava. You've brought up. Uh, He is the father of the Jalo, so he's like the grandfather of the slasher movie. And this this is arguably the very first slasher movie. Well, other than Psycho. Sounds like a Bond movie. Yeah, well, actually, Claudine Auger, or whatever her name is, is a Bond girl. Okay. So it's got a James Bond connection. That score is just I like it, yeah. But look at this bay. It's Bay of Blood. It's Looks a Crystal uh, Lakey, doesn't it? It's mm. a Bay of Pigs. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> but look at how similar the the shots of the bay are, especially to the shots of Crystal Lake from Part One. Okay. That kind of rolling hills, open water thing. Okay. It's a bay. <laughs> so what you need to know about this, the Mario Bava <laughs> thing is castles. 
he's gothic horror. Even his right. early Jalos took place in like fancy fashion houses that were decorated like old castles. Uh huh. But this movie takes an abrupt right turn into kind of a naturalistic Camp Crystal Lake. Were we just the POV of a fly? You were Was... the POV of a fly. Um, question. Yes. Did he do this because he was inspired by another movie or was he the first to do it? So is the aesthetic of Bay of Blood influenced by another movie? Yes, Pete, it is. He was inspired by a movie called Whirlpool from the year before by Jose Larraz. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember you mentioning that. That's why I asked. Yes, no, way to set me okay. up with that. Uh, the The Jose Larraz movie is fantastic for the aesthetic. It definitely kind of helped key in what this movie would become. But it is much more a forebearer of the last house on the left than it is Friday the 13th. Okay. Although it does have strip poker. So that kind of shows up in part one. (laughs) Go ahead and skip ahead to the five minute mark. But why? I just miss bases right here on the, okay, five minutes. So I'm intentionally going to skip a bunch of plot stuff because even if you watch it front to back, the plot of this movie is a little hard to track. I think intentionally. Wow. So Friday Part 2 starts with the flashback murder of an old lady. This movie starts with the murder of an old lady. That's a coincidence, I think, but it's kind of fun. What's the other thing that happens at the beginning of Part 2 besides the flashback to the uh, murder of an old lady? Hmm. You have the murder of the murderer of the old lady. Uh Uh-huh. Very well dressed for a killer. Well, up until this point, your Jalo killer was, you know, fedora, black gloves, big hat, fancy dress. It's a way of like, you know, very visually stepping out of what he'd been doing with this fancy dressed house and fancy dressed man. And basically, he's about to turn that shit on its head. You'll note that the pacing of this movie has got nothing on Friday the 13th, man. Mm. It takes its time, sometimes a little too much time. Suicide note? Ooh, the suicide note. The perfect crime. I don't have subtitles on, so can't tell what it said. It's like Walt Disney. <laughs> he does have a Walt Disney thing going on. This is actually just a really meta movie about the the Avengers movies. Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes that suicide note a little strange. Hmm. Sure does. You might think that he didn't see that coming. I, did, I, I didn't because there was no cat jump scare. Yeah. But there you go. You got an old lady <laughs> killed, and then you got... The killer of the old lady killed, right? So that's the opening of Friday Part 2 as well. And the last shot of the flashback is the head staring at you out of the fridge. Well, here you've got the old lady staring at the camera. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, all coincidence, but it's kind of fun. So skip ahead to uh, 1130. 1130. Note the uh, point of view camera in the woods. A squid. Yep. Point of view camera in the woods. And then the death of a real animal, straight out of uh, Friday Part 1, only it's a squid instead of a snake. Notice he's wearing the Pamela Voorhees sweater, too. Okay, this is the guy with the sweater. And as a service uh, to all of us, nobody changes clothes this entire movie. (laughs) So you can try to keep them (laughs) straight from what they're wearing, because the plot is uh, very difficult. Once you've got your fill of the uh, point of view in the woods, skip ahead to... The 15 minute and 56 second mark. I'm really specific on that one. So 1550 would do. So here you have. A doom buggy. The car full of raucous teenagers. 
the backbone of every Friday the 13th movie. Mm. The opening of every Jason movie. Here you go. Raucous teenagers, horned up, acting silly, terrible haircuts. That guy driving, by the way, may have the worst haircut <laughs> I've ever seen on a human it's being. Like a, it's like a Dutch boy haircut. It's like they did a bowl cut, but with a full-on like helmet. Oh, my God. He looks like a poodle. It's like he a does mullet, look like a poodle. A mullet nightmare. I love that car, though. I think that car loves you back, Travis. It's awful smiley. <laughs> <laughs> it just it really does look like a happy car. Yeah, and this is like the the frolic. The teenagers always frolic at their destination right before they all start getting picked off, hang out at the docks, and she seems to be the, the uh, fast one of the group. We're about to hit like full speed Friday the 13th plagiarism territory here, so... Yeah. If you were intrigued by the last movie. Yeah, that's a bad haircut. He looks like Farquaad. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Lord Farquaad. I mean, it's like he tried to do a mullet, but he just didn't know when the party stops. <laughs> party in the back, party in the front, party on the side. That pool is horrifying. Yeah. But look at that cool <laughs> reflection. I think that's on purpose. I hear a lot of, you know, the... This being like the story of nature reclaiming what humans have done to it, you know? Mm. So you get a beautiful reflection of nature on a crappy pool. I see you, Mario Baba. I get you, bro. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead and stop when you see the tarot card. 13. Because yeah. that just that's neither here nor there. Uh, go ahead and skip ahead to 2658. It's neither here nor there that the card was a 13. I mean, that's a pretty mm. cool coincidence, but... <laughs> All right, George, you can have that one. That's a good 26. detail you noticed. That was a death card, wasn't it? 2658. 2658? Yeah. I mean, you can go back 26, go back to 26-even. I think you'll, I think Travis will appreciate me <laughs> going back to 26-even. <laughs> this is for Travis. Thanks. Yeah. But I mean, look at the way, okay, so, you know, I mean, look at the way it's like, framed. That is the same yeah, shot. Absolutely. Even the angle of like the leering camera is pretty much yep. the same. Absolutely. Thanks for that. It's one of those things where, you know, hearing people talk about the the influence of different producers on parts one and two, especially, and how much they were just like on the slide. Just like, oh yeah, I totally came up with this idea on my own. Right. I definitely, uh, I'm going to start paying attention more to, uh, What's the word? Um, influence and borrowing. These movies are just so niche, right? Like there's just yeah. not a huge audience and there's not a huge number of uh, movie makers in this era of the horror stuff. So they're looking at each other's notes and it's fun to trace where these ideas grow. Oh, spear and mask. Spear and mask. Oh my, look at That's that. Even wearing them part. as a trick to scare. Yeah, spear and mask. You think they watched That's, this movie before they made their movie? That was done a couple times. In, in, um, so this well, part, it, you can't probably understand it because the Italian and we're talking too much, but that chick was totally about to let Helmet Head come in and have a three-way with her and her boyfriend. Okay. But Spear Guy was like, mm-mm. C-blocked. He actually says something along the lines of, you said you'd take the German one or something like that. <laughs> really? I mean, these are some crass Italian dudes. Yeah. And poor Helmet Head is just... Farquad. Farquad. Farquad is left. 
sea blocked by the the spear man. He's spear funny. spear blocked. Spear in a mask. Did he gets spear blocked. Spear blocked. But to go back to the borrowing, I was about to say James Cameron gets a lot of credit for Aliens and you know the script and everything with Aliens. But when you find out that he took all that stuff from Starship Troopers, which was a book. You know, the dropship and the space marines and oh, yeah. all that stuff. Completely like, uncredited. Completely lifted it. <laughs> even even down to the power loader, they had they had robotic uniforms that all the space marines wore. So he totally stole most of the cool visuals. Speaking of so cool visuals, probably. how about these uh, ornate designs inside this weird bay house? Well, this I guess this is where Bava's uh, gothic direction comes in his art direction because even this house is like a lake house but it still has that gothic castle feel to it he can do the laraz thing but he's still gonna be baba at the core i like this lady just like hunting through the house like oh my god there has to be a bed and then she found it god that walk that man has swag most pants are really tight so (laughs) (laughs) he just has to walk like that yeah i think i could tell what religion he is <laughs> and poor Farquaad has to stock his own fire <laughs> Farquaad with the tight pants he doesn't want to get those bangs wet but even you know this like swimming around the dock thing they use this image in part one part four mm-hmm. uh, the remake has a lot of this actually if you yeah. remember back to that one kill I mean this image that we're seeing right now just keeps popping up and the funny thing is I think it's scarier when Baba does it but I'll let you guys watch this part no, that's a trick they never did on uh, Friday 13th movies. Not a lot of floating dead bodies. Yeah, not a lot of floating dead bodies. It's a hell of a, a set, this like dilapidated old resort. So it's kind of like where they could have gotten the whole idea of a campground, too. Well, that's the thing, man. Bay of Blood turns into Camp Blood really, yeah. really quickly. And who's to say if, if they don't have available like a dilapidated resort for free in the New Jersey area, maybe they end up doing a, just a Bay of Blood. Yeah. You know, summer camp comes along at some point, but I don't know. Summer camp works so much better because you get the isolated yeah. kids away from their parents. This one is just a whole different mindset. So it has all the same kind of action notes and some of the aesthetic. Oh, chainsaw? Well, she's not running from a killer right now. Oh, or she's, is she? Well, I mean, she doesn't know she is, I guess. Oh. She's running because... She's not running anymore. She saw she saw a dead body and... and she, right, now she's, she's not running from a killer. Now she just got uh, jacked I was up. just saying that, that shot of her running towards the resort kind of reminded me of when uh, the girl walks, that, that dolly shot of her walking towards the house before she goes in. Well, and one thing I wanted to draw your attention to, when she got her throat slit, the weapon used is called a bill hook. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a machete, but sort of inverted. Right. The sharp edge of the bill hook is the part that points out. Oh. If you go and look at the guy getting his throat slit after the skinny dip, right. the machete's upside down. Right. So they're actually emulating that image by having the curvy part on his neck just like that. It's a weird, like, almost copying too closely the answers from your your neighbor's worksheet, you know? Right. Like, okay, well, curvy part goes on the neck. Let's get curvy part on the neck. It's like, well, that's not the sharp part, but okay. 
When this happens. Yeah. Poor uh, Farquad doesn't get to get Far- in on the... Farquad. <laughs> or does he? Ooh. He's the one watching, maybe. We've we've crossed the uh, threshold from, like, speculative coincidence to, like, you know, copyright infringement plagiarism. levels of plagiarism. So just yeah. kind of don't be surprised when some of the stuff that's coming up is just, like, stuff you've just seen. Someone get an arrow through their back, out through their neck. Well, you remember I mentioned the bill hook. Mm. You remember our friend Mark and his... Reverse luge with a machete in his face? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually not a machete. It's it's a bill hook. I don't know why I brought that up just now. I'm sure nothing akin to uh, Mark getting a bill hook in the face is going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> That's Mark, man. Holy shit. This gore effect is fantastic. The eyes, holy moly. Yeah. So gross. Now, here's an interesting wow. thing. The editing is way different than you do in a slasher movie. It just kind of hangs out here for a while. Yeah. And then the fade, and you're like, okay, we're moving. On. Oh, it's we're still here. It's very weird blocking. This wouldn't. This is where the Americans win, right? We take yeah. this great idea, and we're like, hey, what if we cut all this extra fluff out, and we just go face, stairs, luge, lightning strike. <laughs> and luge, luge. <laughs> now, if you guys remember, it's face luge, lightning strike, orgasm, right? Right. Like that is our modus operandi in that uh, Friday Part Two version of this movie. So I'm sure they're not going to follow the face stabbing with the sex part, right? Or the spear that they just showed. Mm. What spear? I do, what? They would. They, just they wouldn't. On the spear. They wouldn't lift an entire kill sequence directly from Bay of Blood. Would they? Someone gonna send that spear through two people into the ground? I. No <laughs> way would they rip off no. a, a kill exactly the same. Well, see, it's different because she's on top. Or is it? Is it going to hit the floor oh. and the blood's going to hit the... Oh my God, it's exactly the same. Notice she doesn't stop moving, though. Right. The, like Some of the shots, it almost looks like she keeps going. It's kind of fucked up. And then... The only thing that was missing was the extra push to make that spear hit the floor. Notice then you cut to a smiling car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim Lucas, who is a film critic, will tell you that that's Baba's nod to, like, come on, guys, like, we're just having fun. And I don't think mm. he's wrong. Tim, Tim's smart, dude. Another great shot of the lake, by the way. Very I mean calm. the bay, excuse me, because it's, it's the same setting. All right, zip ahead to, uh, there's another tarot card. Go to 4855. There's that sweater. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Voorhees looking trim. I mean, it's a dude now, so. Hmm. You gotta love a nice wax head jump scare. Uh, mm. Not unlike Mrs. Voorhees. This guy kind of has like a Norman Bates thing going too. Oh yeah, for sure. And his relationship with the old lady that got killed at the beginning I think is one of his motiv- motivating factors and being so like 
mean all the time. All right, let's go to 5135. It's not a huge jump, but it'll save Wait, you two where, minutes of your life. Where are their octopi? What, like, where does this take? I guess it, they have octopus in their in their freshwater areas? Well, no, it's a bay, man. It's like on the coast. She's washing her face. And okay. She's in front of a mirror. This is straight <laughs> out of uh, kind of a, oh, that's the, thematically, yeah. it's very much Friday. Just a stack of bodies. Now, as a preview to next week, uh, there is a very Friday Part 3 interaction that's about to occur. And it's different enough that I think I can show it to you and you're, you're just going to see it next time and be like, oh, I remember this. So that's why we're just going to watch. By the way, that's the axe from Part 1. Like, same model and everything. Mm. I love how his shoes are like nice Italian leather loafers. Well, he's a well-to-do Italian man. What else would you expect? I That is what I would expect. So that interaction at the door, keep that as a little, just a, a bookmark in the back of your mind for when you're watching part three. Okay. Skip ahead to one hour, four minutes, and 55 seconds. So just, just before one hour, five minutes, but you got to be just a little before. Back in the woods. She goes into the shack of this uh, threatening character. Why are you wearing Pamela Voorhees' shirt, sweater? And why are you carrying a bill hook? In the English dub, there's a line that's delivered. He says, I'll kill! And it, his delivery is so similar to Betsy Palmer's delivery as mm. Pamela. It's like shocking. This guy kind of looks like uh, Liv Shriver. Yeah, I could see that. His bill hook just did the microphone stand thing. <laughs> Wait, is this a flashback? Isn't that the lady that killed herself? Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of story here. You can skip the story. Okay. Uh, jump over to like a minute or an hour 10, uh, 28. One hour 10, 28. We're going to skip all the exposition. Is it exposition when it's at the end of all the All the movie? mansplaining? <laughs> all the flashbackification. We're going to. Because the plot of this movie. Irrelevant to Friday the 13th. Also, kind of irrelevant overall. <laughs> not not the most narratively strong flick. But if you're at the hour 10, uh, 30 or so, Mark, you're going to get a mm-hmm. really interesting visual. Because uh, for me, the hallmark like section of the Pamela versus Alice fight in part one is the rolling around on the beach. Mm. So you end up with... Uh, a lady in a long sleeve shirt and a lady in a sweater uh, rolling around, struggling with each other, and you're going to get a very similar image here in a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that. Well, they're both wearing sweaters. The only thing he doesn't do is like bash her head on the ground like mm. <laughs> like Pamela does in what looks to be a very uncomfortable bit of uh, stunt acting by yes. Alice. There's some real malice in that guy. Like, inconsistent with the movie. I mean, granted, the movie's gory as all get out. <laughs> his, his thumbs weren't even on yeah, his Yeah, weren't throat. even on our throat. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's not really going to kill the actress, guys. Come on. No, but like, it, it wasn't even close. All right. right. So. Almost like he didn't know they were filming his hands. Yeah. Now, Travis, I know how much you love the trombone scene. And I know that I've made your life a little better. Having introduced you. She's not going to do a rusty trombone, is she? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's really the end of the Friday the 13th stuff, but just for fun. 
Go ahead and skip to the uh, hour and 22 minute mark. The big finale of the movie. And you'll see the Bond girl and the hut. Oh. Wow. That'll do. So I guess there is one other firearm using yeah. slasher movie villain. Looks like the alleyway in, a, in any Batman movie. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Big time omen. Look on that kid's face. That girl on the right is in Deep Red. She's the scary little girl from Deep Red. So yeah, a total non sequitur ending. Uh, maybe not as silly as a, a trumpet with a knife on it, but certainly not a traditional ending by any American standards, that's for sure. Uh, who shot them? The kids shot the parents. And in the English dub, they say something like, wow, they play dead really well. Ha 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 ha. Okay, let's go play now. Really? Yeah. Again, you know, these horrible people all have kind of eaten themselves, uh, you know, like uh, so many snakes. And now their children are the hope for the future, and they frolic in this newly retaken by nature thing. I mean, it's it's a message of hope, Travis. So that's a Bay of Blood. And it's one that it got released in the U.S. under the title uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve. And then it also got released as Last House on the Left Part 2 when Last House was popular. And it would play on double bills at the drive-in. So it was around. It's not like... This isn't coincidence by any means. Uh, The makers of the movie never fess up to actually just ripping off a third of this movie wholesale. But holy moly, guys. That middle section... Thievery. But Friday did it better. I mean, that's the thing. You can't like just... So many people have found out, you know, oh my gosh, they stole that. We should give credit to the old one. It's like, yeah, you should. But Friday was the remix, right? Yeah. Friday made the money. No, they perfected it. It's kind of like if Wes Craven took an old story of like an old Asian horror movie idea of somebody killing somebody in their dreams. And then he creates Freddy Krueger from that. Then that's his... That's his contribution. He created a character around a story that already existed. Well, I mean, it, that's exactly what Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham did with Last House. They took right. A Virgin Spring, uh, which is a, a movie by Ingmar Bergman, who's one of the great uh, kind of artistic uh, European directors. Right. They took that. They mixed it in with a little bit of Bay of Blood aesthetic. And then they just like got out the big, uh, tin can full of rape from the back kitchen. Open that sucker <laughs> up and dumped it on yeah. the film. Yep. Oh, that movie's fucked up. Home invasion on crack. Did I ever mm. tell you my last house on the left story? No. Is George still alive? He hasn't talked in a while. I think. See, overwhelmed. Check messages. His wife just texted him. Oh, <laughs> no, she no. probably texted check me it? too. I'll <clears throat> yeah, my no, wife no. too. No, you check your messages, Dan. So my right. my last house on the left story, guys, check this out. I'm like 13 years old. I'm at Blockbuster, and I'm thinking, should I rent the town that's a dreaded sundown with this cool Jason-looking dude on the cover, or should I get this movie that's from the actual makers of Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street? Well, that's the winner, right? So I flipped that sucker over, and the synopsis is, two girls go to a concert, and they're attacked. And then their parents, with word of their demise, find a way 
to have revenge and then they have revenge and then they have more revenge and then the revenge stacks up on the revenge and the revenge becomes the revenge of the revenge of the revenge and it's really cool and i was like man this movie is 10 percent chicks getting killed and 90 percent parents getting brutal revenge on all the people that did it this movie's gonna be a winner <laughs> spoiler alert it is 90% chicks getting raped and 10% revenge. And by right. the time 13-year-old me got to the revenge part, I was already so annoyed that I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. And the remake's even worse. Yeah, I never even bothered. Yeah, it's rough. Very yeah. rough. Very important. My, very important My last film, house on the left story is the guy that got me hooked on horror movies. He lived on Elm Street, and he was the last house on the left. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But then he got killed in the dream, and it wasn't so cool. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of cool. Like, how, how cool is it to be a fan of horror movies, and you live on Elm Street, and you're the last house on the left? I mean, how cool is it to be a new fan of horror movies, and you live near Haddonfield? That is true. Do, 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 and do, the Crystal Lake Diner. And the Crystal Lake Diner, and all the film locations from Friday Part 1. Right. You guys want to hear my... Uh... Last last house on the left story. I think we have to wait till next season, right? Are we watching that? I hope not. Anyway, George, what's your what's your story? I watched it one time. Oh, really? You did? Yeah. How did you get roped into that movie of all the movies? I don't know. The original or the remake? I don't know. Long time ago. Yeah. So, George, <clears throat> we've we've taken a deep dive into the influences on Friday Part Two. What do you think about Friday Part 2? Now that you know what it was copying, what it was taking raw ingredients from other sources, uh, which maybe didn't utilize them to their full potential, and just like, is it hitting a home run with those ingredients, or, or does it cheapen it to you now that you know how much of it isn't like original to that story? Um, I don't think it cheapens it. I mean, they do take like a third of Bay of Blood. And then they just have the guy from the town that dreaded sundown do all the stuff from a Bay of Blood. That would be the argument against part two. Right. I see that, but I just I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm kind of like I I don't I don't really have a reference for you know uh, what can be borrowed in mm. movies. I know kind of what can be borrowed in music because that's like my background, but you know. The, you know, we borrowed the aesthetic from, uh, whatever Bay, that movie was Bay called. Of Blood. No, the aesthetic from the other one for the uh, killer. The Sundown. Yeah. So we borrowed the aesthetic, but obviously the movie, the plot is way different. Actually, the plot is really way different than both of these, both of these movies. The kills in Bay of Blood, like you said, the sequence is just like. It's kind of like there's no excuse for that, but then again, I don't know. It's kind of like when a New York City DJ makes a mixtape. He, he, he takes music from other people, but he's skilled enough to mix it and and uh, blend it to where it sounds and it's professional. So they took elements of things that worked, but maybe weren't anywhere near mainstream. And they made it almost uh, 
ne- necessary to a genre. Well, I mean, I know that there's like there are songs out there that the chord progressions and the tempo and everything is exactly the same. And sometimes even the melody is mm-hmm. has overlay where it's pretty similar. And there's still a case to be made that like, you know, this isn't plagiarism, guys. Like, we didn't have that song in mind when we wrote this. Right. You know? Um, I, I think it's obvious that this was definitely an influence. But I'm not sure how acceptable, you know, borrowing like that is in this world right. of movies. Keep so, a, keep an eye on it, because I, I think... I think it's an interesting thing as we go through, especially since we're doing kind of a genre focus for the moment, you know, keep an eye on when things are borrowed and when things are stolen wholesale. And we'll see if we can come up with a a George's rules for when it's okay. And when it's not, if I were to compare Friday the 13th part two to a musical experience, uh, this is my regulate. Are you guys familiar with that old Michael McDonald song that they sampled? Uh, I keep forgetting yeah. every time you're near. Yeah, yep. it yeah. swings just as hard as uh, as the actual regulate usage. But man, without Nate Dog, what's the point? Without <laughs> Nate Dog, what is the point? So this would be without Jason. What's the point? I mean, you know, the thing is, uh, Jason is only as strong. As his backstory and the pace of his action. And I think you could make the argument that maybe we could take Bay of of Blood and give it to a modern editor and have him chop it down from like, say, 10 minutes in the middle of the movie down to about five minutes in the middle of the movie. And you might be able to match what they did with this Friday part two. But Steve Miner was able to sustain that for an hour straight pretty much. I mean, once you get through the, the introductory part, it is a full throttle, just roller coaster ride of violence and gore and boobs and scares and on a level that neither of those other two movies could do. I mean, they couldn't, right. you can't do the malice of sundown at the pace that Friday did, but a lot more people want to see the splatter more than they do the actual like torture stuff. Right. Same thing with Bay of Blood. You could do all the same kills as Bay of Blood, but 90% of your audience isn't going to be patient enough to sit through a movie with a ridiculous plot and all kinds of weird time jumps. Right. I I, I feel, after seeing this uh, Sundown stuff, I kind of feel didn't get enough of Jason. I would have liked to see more of him do more after seeing that guy do his... That's one of the things I thought, too, watching you know Jason or Friday the 13th part two was that, you know, there was a heck of a lot of Jason's feet, like a lot of, you know, not seeing him. Then when you finally see him, it's like the last 20 minutes. Yeah. They they wait to over an hour into the movie before he pops out of that bed. Yeah. I think their purpose of that, their, their fault is they were trying to tie one and two together by, you know, keeping that mystery. Is this Pamela? Did she survive? Is this someone, is this maybe Alice being a copycat? Like they're trying to make you think again that it might not be Jason. And then when he jumps out of that bed and he's got that sack over his head, 
now you're in Jason. Now you know it's Jason. It's Jason's world, and now we're going to be on a twenty-year ride. I mean, with this it's character probably Jason. Right. It Again. Could be his, yeah, that's his what I was thinking too. Seamus Voorhees. It is interesting though. <laughs> I'd never considered it because, as a kid, I saw this one later. I, you know, I saw right like eight, and then three, and then this one. I think in that order. So oh, I was wow. I already had a, an expectation of what Jason was before I got to this movie. There is like a dangling thread there where they're you know potentially they're like setting up to where people could think it might be Alice. Like you know it's not Alice because you saw her get killed. But they are like oh they never found the body but there was a lot of blood. Like hmm mm. that's a very kind of a poor effort. Like they shouldn't have shown her get killed if they want to make me think it's her. Right. Kind of like in part one where it's like, if you really want me to think it's not Pamela Voorhees, maybe you show her being helpful at the beginning of the movie. Right, right, right. Just right. give me one scene of her being like, hey, Steve Christie, and him being like, hey, Pam, how you doing, girl? Yeah. Don't like even call her, her popping Mrs. Voorhees. Up. Just be like, hey, Pam, it's nice to yeah. see you. Thanks for bringing that Jeep back. Dun, yeah, her dun, popping dun. up in the last bit of the movie, we talked about this. Jarring. Yeah. Totally, totally sh- just screams it's a red flag oh this is the killer i like this format i like getting deep we're not going to get deep on everyone uh that's just not worth it for part three which we're doing next week the only homework uh, in addition to the actual movie i've got a couple of clips from a movie that kind of get visually referenced that i might have you watch on youtube but we don't have to do it live but i'll just mention it well, there's a lot they to definitely do with played three. With we're it. not going to get, I mean, we're at three hours now. We're not going to get three hours out of part three, but that's probably fine. It's probably for the better that they're not all lengthy. Right. Two is special. Well, no, I mean, we dabbled in a lot of, I mean, this is a film film class, and you, you definitely even opened my eyes up, eyes up to a few things. So I think it was worth it. Makes me want to dabble in the, uh, in the 70s. Uh, possible influence movies to see how many movies are actually influenced by these movies. Oh my gosh! Get Travis a yellow t-shirt. The thing Get I'll me tell a you, yellow man, t-shirt. It's not as many as you'd think. Like, right? There's really only like three or four that ever crossed over to the point that they got ripped off. Hmm. But that's the fun thing is George hasn't seen like the sexy Jallos yet, and he hasn't seen the more like middle of the road kind of like swank rich people down at the coast jollos with the you know ba ba da ba da 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 kind of scores you know right he's only <laughs> seen the the hitchcock arch ones we got to get right to the more like you know more sergio martino a little less argento hmm. yeah there's a lot cool. that's a that is a that's a whole different show like we could do a whole we'll, show we'll on see what fits in the season too Dude, season two <laughs> through season 20. <laughs> uh, we are going to make him watch Giallo of Venezia, though, someday. And then I'll be like, hey, look, just like the head in the fridge. As long as we watch uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, too, I think we'll be good. I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> I do not like Big Top Pee-wee. No, me neither. Not a fan. I never <laughs> needed to see that man kiss <laughs> you guys are a woman. actually talking critically about Pee-wee movie. Dude, Pee-wee, the first, the first, Pee- Pee-wee, the first Pee-wee, Pee-wee movie is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's it's oh, Tim Burton. Put it it's, on the it's, curriculum. It's Tim Burton. It's classic Tim Burton. It is. Pre-Batman. Pre-Batman. Pre-Bat. Tim Burton. 
post Beetlejuice or bef- no? It's it's post Beetlejuice. I think. No, 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 no. I think now it's, it's before pre- Beetlejuice. I think it was first Pee Wee, then Beetle, then Bat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's classic. Where's that bell? I need something to end on that's stronger than like, yeah, this didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn something, George? All right. Uh, yeah, tra- Travis's mic stand is very tired. Yes, it's in my nuts right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking through my scrotum. <laughs> it explains so many things. <laughs> wow. Check, please. Well, George, we did it. We've let you watch your first horror sequel. You don't know it yet, but it's going to get a lot more fun and a lot more crappy the farther we go in. (laughs) So I appreciate you coming with us on this journey. Are you ready for next week's Friday the 13th, part three in 3D? In 3D? Uh, Do you have a 3D The movie's in 3D. Well, we 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 could try that. I have I have access to a 3D TV. Actually, all you need because you have the DVD set. It's red blue, mm-hmm. so if you get two red blue goggles or mm. glasses in time, it works sorta. I have those. Okay, so there you go. Yes, in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Technology 3D, not three double D though. That's a different movie. Nah, you don't want to watch that movie. That's Jalo. It's a different kind of giallo. <laughs> Three double D. No, that piranha. It was a piranha movie a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it's full of boobs. Seems like something Crotch Travis would like. Crotch. Yeah, it's gone. Crotch Travis sounds crotch like. Travis. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> we are drunk, and I'm holding up my mic. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Crotch Travis. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at, at Remedial Film Pod. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. And of course, you can email me at remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next week for Friday the 13th, Part 3 in 3D. Thank you.